The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the Grand Theft Auto 5 and Red Dead Redemption 2 of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose realism is a perk and not a drawback. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I changed my Google password. So I'm frustrated right now. But normally, I'm great and (laughs) and joyous and festive and it's almost Christmas and all that fun stuff. It is. It is all those things. Did you figure out your password? Nope. Okay, perfect. Well, I hope that doesn't hammer us on the show at all. (laughs) Because while Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption 2 are two amazing games released in the last decade some classical characters like mario and his appearance in super mario galaxy 2 won't let folks forget about nintendo and the person illuminating our nintendo blind spot the granddaddy of psvg and one of the hosts of the nintendo shack donnie reese welcome back to the show greetings Koobalings. what's going on donnie we're so thrilled to have you back here sir i'm thrilled to be here i'm excited uh to be here for this show it's caused me much trepidation, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, I asked you to be on this, what, it was close to a month ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, I, you've been working on your list pretty much since then, haven't you? Kind of, yeah. Just, just <laughs> It's been like, a, it's been like a, I don't want to say mindless. It's just been like a busy time activity that I've been having. I, I just, uh, I mean, I started just jotting down games. So you're like, we're going to talk about games of the decade. I was like, all right. What are my favorite games? Thinking that I'd rattle off like, you know, 13 or so, and then we'll whittle it down to 10. I wrote like 80 games. It's just, <laughs> it's just like game after game after game. I was like, oh no. Yep. How am I going to get this down? <sighs> but you got it down. Sort of. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, you know, as would be tradition on our show, we can't just jump right into the all the things we're going to talk about. We have to have a little side conversation first. So, Donnie, I want to ask you. Uh, because I don't know when we'll get a chance to talk about this in person again. Uh, what are your thoughts on the college football playoffs? How everything is sitting there? Do you feel Ooh. good about it? What are your thoughts really briefly, sir? Well, I am um, <clears throat> a Buckeye. have been uh, my entire life. So I'm very excited that they made the playoff. I think they're uh, fitting. I think they're qualified. I think they're deserving. And I'm very excited that we got Clemson first. And a lot of uh, Buckeye fans are not because they feel like it's the harder of the two matchups. But it's a playoff. Right. You got to play anybody. You got to play anybody that's in front of you. And uh, considering the beating that Clemson gave us last time, I would hope that the coaches and the players be looking for uh, a little payback or have at least a little extra motivation. So I'm really excited. I think we got a good chance. Um, I don't think Clemson's defense is as stout as it has been in past years. And I don't think their competition level this year has been as stout as it has been in past years. So I don't think um, I don't think they've played anybody. That's going to line up across the the line of them um, at the level that Ohio State's played. I'm also excited that we got a little time off because yeah. um, 
we had a lot of injuries that we were nursing towards the end of the year because we went on a, a pretty nasty little run there. We went like Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin. And that was after like going Wisconsin like the week before Rutgers. So we went like Wisconsin, Rutgers, Rutgers didn't count. And then we went <laughs> Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin again. And uh, I was really excited to see Wisconsin kind of punch punches in the mouth too in the Big Ten title game because he was getting a little carried away. People were like, "Oh, it's the greatest team, the great Ohio State team ever! It's a, they're so amazing. They, they they just blow." And I was I didn't want them to go into the playoff and having not you know tested their metal, if you will, because that For adversity sure. in a football game, being on the wrong end of that momentum and crawling your way back, that's important if you try to win stuff. You don't want that to happen in a in a marquee highlight matchup against, um, you know, an equally talented uh, opposing team. So I'm very, very excited. I don't know if we're going to be Clemson or not. I think Clemson is every bit as talented as we are. I think they got the leg of a quarterback. So we'll see. Typically in a playoff game, you got two teams, equal talent, go with the team with a better quarterback. Yep. So that, that wouldn't bode well um, for us, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. I just, uh, uh, the quarterback we got from Georgia, Fields, he's real, real good. He's just young, and he plays like a young player. He holds onto the ball. You know, he's got those legs, so he's constantly looking downfield. He's constantly, you know, it gets us in a little trouble sometimes. But um, the offensive line and the running back have bailed him out over and over and over again. So I know the the NDSU uh, lineage, people like talking about the, the, the line play out there and how yeah. they play. And I know it's not uh, a sexy type of top, topic when it comes to football, but I've seen, bet- I've seen more talented offensive line players at Ohio State. I've never seen an offensive line as dominant as this Ohio State team, and I think they're going a little unnoticed. They have made it look real easy most right. of the year. And it's not like we play a bunch of nobodies. I mean, For they sure. have just blown Penn State and Michigan State and Wisconsin right off the line, and we've been running on these teams for eight, nine yards a pop. Almost, you know, like they were uh, the week we played Penn State – Probably the most talented team we play in conference. And they were talking about they were like number two against the run, number 12 defense overall. First drive out of the game, we ran it nine times for 81 yards. (laughs) Touchdown. Like their offensive line and running back tandem are real, real good. So if nobody can stop us from doing that, I like our chances. But we'll see if the, uh, the other teams are up to it. And as the final question wrap up to that, do you think the right four teams are in the playoff? Yeah. Yeah, um, I do. I think... It, it. I mean, I think we all know like the different ways it could have ended. Like it mm-hmm. could have ended with a little more Oklahoma getting that last win against Baylor and Utah kind of screwing the pooch there. Really kind of destroyed any thoughts that the, the right. top four aren't there. Right. For sure. And it's hard for Georgia to make a case. Georgia maybe has a case for being the most talented, like one of the four most talented teams. Right. But they just haven't earned it. You know, and same thing goes yeah. for Auburn. So yep. and and Oregon. It's not an SEC thing. Oregon didn't earn it either. So, very, very true. Yeah, you know, in, in my little FCS heart, pretty excited. NDSU goes for their eighth championship in yeah. nine years. When are they so, going to get called up to the big leagues? They're like an yeah. Appalachian State territory at this point. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, Montana State, who they played this weekend, beat forty-two fourteen. Uh, did say something. Their coach said something about that earlier in the week about how it's not fair. It's, it's not, not equal. He's right. Uh, yeah, you can't so. win eight championships and be like totally fair, guys. It's not. It's so. not a monopoly on this at all. Uh, but it is number one versus number two. So it's NDSU it's versus true. JMU, and JMU beat them in the semifinals two years ago. So 
uh, yeah, it should be a good game here in a, in a few weeks. So I'm I watched them it. play last week. And I always kind of like I love watching um, like the pregame out there. Mm-hmm. I love watching the fans and stuff. So I, I think that's great. It was a real great atmosphere. And I think it'd be cool if they got called up. I'm surprised that like the American Conference hasn't come calling or something. Like, they've got teams scattered all over everywhere. Like they're trying to be, you know, anything like anybody at all that wants to try to play. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I think they'd fit there. Well, I think the question would be whether or not they want to go up there, and I don't know that they. That's do, true. So. That's well, you get a lot more money, and you yeah. have to imagine that, like. But they'd have to travel so much. I think so they'd far. fit right at home in the Big Twelve. Yeah, maybe. I maybe. mean, I don't. I don't think they're going to go win the conference. No, right. Not. But I mean, it's I'd... like they can play with with Colorado State and stuff like that. Like, oh, they, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they can play with those guys. I've seen them play with with. Um, um, Iowa State and Iowa. I've seen them play these teams yeah. in Northern Illinois. Like they can go toe to toe with any of those programs. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, that's enough football talk. We'll get back to what this show is uh, supposed to be about. We're going to do away with all of the housekeeping and stuff we usually do. So, we're just going to jump into a very brief topic of the show and then we're going to go into our favorite video games of the decade, the top 10 list we have each created. So starting with for the topic of the show, I just kind of wanted to hear from both of you what your plans are to wrap up 2019 in gaming. Kind of what do you have on your docket still? Do you have any holiday gaming traditions? What would you like to do to round out the year? And since Donnie and I just talked a whole bunch, Josh, sir, what are your plans for to, to finish out 2019 with games? Oh, you know, same as every other day, really. Nothing nothing spectacular just because of the holidays. I don't really get any extra time off. So <clears throat> my day-to-day is the same. Uh, in fact, the only day I get off is Christmas. And obviously that's, for me at least, that's booked solid. So there's definitely no gaming on Christmas. Um, so yeah, um, we just got, we, as I say, Kyle and myself, my game share buddy, we just got Sekiro. Shadows die twice, so I think that is my plan to continue playing. I started playing it, and um, uh, that's all I really have planned. I mean, I downloaded Witcher 3 because uh, it's on Game Pass, and I haven't played it yet. Um, but, yeah, gaming-wise, I really I think I just want to put some time into Sekiro. I, I feel like... We're kind of obligated to with it winning game of the year. I, f- I feel like, you know, depending on who you listen to, but uh, right. um, arguably it needs some attention uh, for, from us where I think we have a blind spot for that as as well. Um, so that's my plan. I don't have any other plans because around the holidays, I'm, <laughs> no matter what job I have or have had in the past, I'm constantly reminded I don't have holiday time. I just have <laughs> daytime and nighttime. So uh, I'm just going to keep on trucking. <laughs> uh, how much Sekiro have you played thus far? Ooh, probably not too much. Just the intro-ish, like maybe an hour and a half. Not- so based off of your 90 minutes of expert <clears throat> gameplay, yeah. uh, d- does it deserve to be game of the year? I mean, not yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um it's not uh it's not as difficult um as I thought it was gonna be right from the start. Um but I mean obviously I know that this is a game that will transition to be harder. But um I think playing Star Wars Fallen Order has helped me transition into this game. Where I'm more familiar with it's been a while since I played a game with a parry system. So mm-hmm. um, I think Star Wars has helped me uh 
enter this game that is eventually going to become very difficult. So, so so far, um, I'm enjoying it, but like I said, I, you know, I've only put it in a little bit of time. So, we'll see if and when I get bored of this game, and then what will happen there. Because we're at a point in time right now where I'm not going to force myself to play any game because I have plenty of options. So. Um, if this game keeps my attention, awesome. And I, I look forward to keep on playing it until I don't. Excellent. Donnie, what are your plans for the rest of the year in gaming? I'll say, unfortunately, I, I can empathize there with Josh. I think that's where I'm at with Star Wars. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to play it. I have tried to play it through multiple sittings, and uh, I realize that it's good. It looks good. I realize how it plays. And, and the, the hardest part for me to come to grips with is it plays like games that I like. I enjoy playing other games that play like it, so I, I feel like I should really, really like it. And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I'm sitting there playing it, and I'm just kind of bored. Like I'm, I'm just not into it. Like I, I, I find myself looking at my phone. I kind of pause the menu. I might start like listening to a podcast. It's like I can, I feel like I could do anything else. I can play anything else and and have more fun than than what I'm doing at the moment. And I think I'm. I think I'm like just kind of done with it for now. I think I'm just going to put it on the back burner and maybe get back to it later. I guess maybe when I'm in more of a mood, I, I kind of, I'm enjoying parts of what I'm like liking. I mean, like it's kind of uncharted in those moments. I kind of like it, but you know, like I'm not really into star Wars. So like the IP isn't necessarily grabbing me. Um, the characters and all that are not really doing it for me. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm just kind of done with it. So I, I started playing other games. Um, my to-do list for my little Xmas va- my little Christmas vacation is Darksiders. Getting back to that on Stadia, I played for maybe two hours the day I got it. And I really haven't played it since then because I've been trying to, you know, knock out other projects for, for podcasts and things like that. Um, but it's been really, really thrown off because I, I, I bought this deadly premonition game that's downright terrible. And I can't stop playing it. It captured my full attention. It is so bad. <laughs> and I and I kind of love it. Um, I played it for five straight hours this morning. I just sat there and played it. <laughs> and I was playing it in the bathtub last night. And I was just like, wow. Um, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to talk about that game too much. I, I got Kevin coming to Nintendo Shack hopefully uh, sometime in the new year. And uh, I want to talk to somebody who's, who's played a little experience with that game. Yeah, um, but uh, it's definitely starting to grab me. So uh, after that, maybe get back to talking sliders. Oh man, I it's funny because I saw your tweets this morning yeah. about Deadly Premonition. I was like, oh boy, this definitely <sighs> seems like Donnie's in deep. <laughs> I've been told for years it's not a first. So like it, it was announced uh, at an indie showcase for Nintendo that it was coming to Switch, and uh, we had a few active Shack listeners like Donnie game. You've got to play it. And I've, it's not the first that I've been told that I actually own it on Steam. I own the game and I bought it on Switch because I'm not going to play it on PC. I, I own the game. I've owned the game for years. I've never played it. Um, without getting like completely into the conversation, I've always steered away from it. It's not the first I've been told that this game is kind of for me. Um, but the reviews, if you like, if you do what I do, if you ever like, if you're unsure about a game, what do you do? Start trying to find some information on it. You go to reviews for this game, they're not just like bad. They're awful. <laughs> this game gets like a one out of tens, two out of tens. People talk about it's the worst game they've ever played. I mean, it has really, really bad reviews, largely. 
Not like a couple, like the majority of reviews are like, this is objectively a bad game. <laughs> like, it's real bad. <laughs> it's just like the movie Cats. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, um, you know, some people find a lot of fun in a bad game, and I can agree. If you were to ask me, like, Donnie, rate this game on what it's doing moment to moment, I'd be like, yeah, it's a bad game. Um, but Donnie, are you enjoying this game? Totally, totally having an absolute <laughs> blast with it. <laughs> very, very cool. I uh, I am trying to fill, finish Children of Morta. I'm having a great time with that game still. I really want to get it done. For better or for worse, I have a lot of uh, friends who I play games with who are off of work right now. They have that mm-hmm. fortunate ability to be off work. So I'm, I'm getting sucked into a lot more multiplayer games right now. I've played a lot of Overwatch and a lot of COD in the last week, and I feel like that is going to be... Uh, the bulk of my break is is taken up by those games, which isn't a bad thing. I just was hoping to finish Children of Morta, and then I promised someone that the next game I would play would be Resident Evil 2 Remake. So that I am hoping to get through as well uh, on this winter break, because I have until January 2nd off. So I'm hoping that I can finish Children of Morta and at least start Resident Evil 2 before we get back to the swing of things. And I'm actually pretty thankful, because I don't know that there's a game I'm super interested in picking up until February. So hopefully I will be able to get some things done. And the other thing I did, because I went and got my little Nintendo Switch report for my hours played and games played this year, (laughs) and I decided I clearly neglected my Switch pretty bad this year. So I did pick up uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, so I I do want to play that as well. So that has been picked up, um, and I do want to get cracking on that one as well. My Switch game of the year. Yeah, that was a big reason of obviously all the positive press about it, how much you enjoyed it. Um, all those things really are made my decision. Because I was considering getting Pokemon. Because I've never played a Pokemon game. But just hearing all of the outpouring and support for Luigi's Mansion 3. And I think that's a little more up my alley. Uh, so that's where I decided to go. So hopefully getting started on that as well. All right. All that stuff out of the way. We're just going to dig into it. Our favorite video games of the decade. So as 2019 comes to an end, it also means the end of the decade. So we're going to look back, create our list of our 10 favorite games now it's important to note we're saying favorites these might not be the best games that were released in the last decade but these are the games that we consider to be our favorite now i will say i don't know if you all will agree on my list i don't know there's a game on it you could call bad i think at worst you could call some of them very good as the worst category for them but you know we'll see what everyone has to say but before we get into our lists donnie you said you had a huge list to start with how did you whittle it down to 10 games so there's this part of me that so badly wants to be charged with writing the best games of the decade or the quintessential, the most resonant games of the decade. Cause I feel very qualified to write that list. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I've played a lot of games. I can make this happen. Um, and it also feels weird to make any list of the decade and leave off anything that's so impactful to the industry. You know, it almost makes my list, my favorite list feel not valuable, not worthy, non-credible because it's missing these giant games that had huge influence over the decade. So I originally started making a list and then I broke that list into two categories. And I was like, is this on my list because I truly loved playing this game? Or is this on my list because I just think it's one of the most important games of the decade? That helped me out a lot because I really, really stuck to These are my favorite games, which technically means these are basically my like probably my most played games of the decade is almost maybe a better way of saying it because I think that I think those are synonymous with each other if you play a lot of a game well then yeah it's your, like your favorite game because you like the proof is in the pudding right you played a bunch of it so that really really helped me 
the also the other struggle that I had is I so badly kind of wanted to use franchises as a list instead of pick, picking a specific game because how does that like change how you feel about something right like if you think of like the, the the decade my favorite call of duty of the decade was call of duty infinite warfare but like call of duty the decade was an amazing decade there's a lot of options a lot of varied content and, th and that rings true for all kinds of things think about madden and nba and like the leaps at these yearly annual iterations made across the decade but how do you single that out to one game and then does that one game stand on its own compared to all of my other games so i i'm gonna go ahead and say it now i kind of cheated for one of them i didn't do it a lot <laughs> but one specific option i kind of i'm kind of gonna cheat a little um but i feel like i had to so uh, we'll see when we get there you guys can give me your feedback on that one well, we will definitely, you know, we have no problems giving you a hard time about all of your opinions <laughs> on games. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll have no issues with that at all. It was like, uh, just, uh, I'm sorry, like one ahead. of the best examples that I could come up with was like Mario or Tomb Raider. What an amazing decade Mario and Tomb Raider have had. That's true. There's no Tomb Raider on my top 10. But if we were talking franchises, I'd probably put the franchise in my top 10. I had a great year and I played three amazing games. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just, it's a weird way of thinking about it, I guess. For sure. Josh, how did you, how was creating your list? Was it easier, harder than the board game list? How, how'd it go for you? Oh, it was harder than the board game list. Um, I will say to Donnie, I did, I did cheat on one of mine as well. Um, <clears throat> but I only did it because of kind of like what you were saying. I really felt obligated to include something that I would be remiss to not include uh, on my list that that there's so, there were so many games that I had not to mention the ones that I will find out I forgot uh because I didn't check enough lists you know I didn't do enough research to like like I reference a certain place to find out and what I did was the same thing I did for board games I went somewhere specific and I looked at Every game that released in 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And then I wrote down every game that meant something to me. And then I started taking things out that I knew I could like Castle Crashers. Sorry for spoilers. But I was like, this game is phenomenal. I could easily include this on my favorite games of the decade, but it's not going to make the top 10. So. That's how I I kind of just started going down and really like I'm very very curious if we have crossover how much and and what because I'm very I, there's so many choices that it will definitely have at least one maybe more crossover but it's it's very possible we have no crossover it's it's that's how many good. So not even good. That's how many great games have come out in the past ten years. Um, I could have a I could have a whole se separate top ten games of 
the past decade. I was going to ask on you any could, any given Sunday. You could <laughs> ask the same question six months from now, and it might like completely yeah, change. It could be totally different. It really just depends. <laughs> do, you think, do you think your list would completely change? I Is don't there think a it, certain number that are like you're really solid on. And I feel a, real good about five. My bottom three okay. could change at any moment. I right, think. but like it, yeah, I, I think I could on a on like on it without warning, without he- like if I just came into Border Studio Games just in July and it was like Kyle, what's your top ten favorite games. I'd be interested if you could give me the exact 10. Right. You'd be yeah, like, I, I give you four, but I don't know. There's, there's a lot of options here. Yeah. I also am very confident in my top five, but six through 10 definitely fluctuated significantly yeah. while I was making this list. There are games that were on it that no longer are. I don't know that any game that is in my six through 10 started in my six through 10 and is still there now. Sure. Uh, and I think that's the hard thing. And I also... The, the biggest struggle I had is I kind of did the same thing Josh did is I went through all these years, looked at all the great games that were released, but man, am I, was I struggling with recency bias? Was I yes. struggling with games that yep. I have played most recently, really being able to remember how those games impacted me versus games that came out in 2010 mm. that I'm like, oh, I've always talked about how I love that game and I really like that game. I haven't touched it in almost 10 years. So that was a big challenge for me was not weighing too heavily. And then I said, maybe the games now are just way better. I don't know. Maybe I, I feel so much more strongly about them because they are just that much better. I don't think that's true, but that definitely could be. Uh, here's my other question I have for the two of you that kind of came up for me while I was going through this. How did you handle remasters, collections, uh, re-releases of games that had come out either prior, mostly prior to 2010? Like if a game came out in 20. 12 and then was re-released who cares but if a game was released prior to 2010 and then was remastered or re-released after were you like yeah that's cool that's fine what were your if i love you it it's that? on the list i have a remaster on the list okay i did not include collections yeah i don't there i could oh, have something <laughs> there's probably a series you can think of that i was really tempted to include a collection sure, on sure. that i did not because i felt that would be cheating so i didn't but yeah okay I, that was one thing i was curious about um Finally, before we actually start talking about our list, and I, like I said, these are our favorites, but I'm sure we will still have discussions about them. Um, any trends that you notice while going through and creating your lists, looking at the years the games came out, any trends that you saw? Did you feel that there were certain years that stood out as being better years? Anything oh. that stood out to you? Not years, at least. Um I don't know that I saw a trend. I saw, um I think that what I saw was a definition of my gaming um, portfolio or profile, if you will, as an adventure, action-adventure game player, which I never really considered myself. Uh, so, so I really feel like most of my games, even if they weren't just the top 10, like really were geared towards third-person action-adventure, which surprised me because I never considered myself, um, you know, in that area. Really, I, I would squarely put you in that. In that, just having known you for the last few years. I mean, it makes sense now. I just never really identified with that. Was like my favorite gameplay style. Like I've always been a um, fighter, um, first-person shooter guy, and I think maybe just my taste in gaming has changed since one of the games on my list that potentially changed that. Um, but um, I also don't know that I've ever really sat back and reflected on my gaming. Uh, preference either so well, it's probably changed it's been, yeah been a decade yeah for everything sure. changes um i i didn't I, I gotta admit i didn't like dial it down to analysis per year so i i don't know um 
my my initial list that was super big. I'm quite impressed and definitely notice how many of those were indie games. And you talk about a trend of the last decade. I think that's squarely one of them. The rise of independent video games have been huge. Out of like that initial 80 list, half of them are probably indies. I mean, I'm, I'm like one, one for two. I have 30, 40 indies here. And like, I'm just looking at them. Firewatch, Braid, Bastion, Binding of Isaac, Limbo. Fez golf story like there's a bunch a bunch in here they didn't make it to the very very top of my list but they're littered throughout it I mean uh, the other one that I was thinking as you were talking I mean I'm just looking at my list now looking at this maybe the female protagonist yeah and a lot of games not necessarily my entire like top 10 but I got a lot of games on this list that uh, star uh, have leading roles played by ladies so that might be a new thing and I just think we don't have a lot of that you know, mm-hmm. back yeah. into the 90s and early aughts. So. All right. So here are my final questions before we cover things. Number one, Donnie, how many games do you think we will have in common on our lists? Uh, just me and the two of you? Yeah. Uh, Collective? You and I. Oh, you two. No. Yeah, maybe, Donnie, how many? Maybe two. Okay. How many do you think you'll have that are maybe shared? Maybe three with Kyle. Maybe one with Josh. Three with <laughs> you, one two. with Josh. Okay, Josh, how many one. do you think you'll have crossover? With Donnie? Yeah. Two. How many with me? Four. Oh dang. Okay. Um, I. That's a high <laughs> guess. That is a high guess because I was just gonna say one for each of you, but we'll. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, final thing. How many of your games do you think will surprise the the other Whoa. people on this panel? This is the hardest part I had with making my list. I don't know if it's because I just talk too much, or I I focus on a lot of my games. I feel so many of my takes are going to be predictable, if not regurgitated. Um, yeah. Maybe that's just me being hard on myself. I don't know. But like, I was looking at my list. I was like, man, everybody knows these. Nobody wants to hear this. Um, I'll go and tell same. you this now. Spoiler. I took Mario Golf World Tour off the list because of that reason. <laughs> I love the game. I played it. If you're talking about my most played game, it's in the top three. But I took it off because I've talked about that game for three years. Everybody knows it so just to kind of spice it up, I just threw it out. A mission. Okay. So how many do you think? Do you think you're going to have any surprises on your list for us? Any that we're going to be like, really? You picked that? No. Okay. Not really. I really don't. <laughs> Maybe Josh, you guys, you know what? I think I have one, but I don't think it's going to surprise Kyle. I think Kyle knows this game's on here. It might surprise other people. Okay. Um, okay. Kyle may not agree with it. I think that might be the case, but I, I, uh, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody, no. Josh, do you think you'll have any surprises on yours? Yeah, well, two or three, and then I think okay. there's going to be one big uh, surprise that isn't on the list that I think okay. people are expecting. Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Now you have me worried. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'll have any surprises, because every game on my list, at some point, whether it be way back when PSVG started, was now, published by Sony first party. Did you list all right, the that's Yakuza how you're about games to finish individually? That, right? just... I did not list all the Yakuza <laughs> games individually. Um, but sometime in the lifespan of PSVG, I have talked positively at, about all of the games on my list at some point for sure. Right. So you will definitely notice a bias of where most of my time is sure. spent towards the top of my list, which I don't think will surprise anyone. So maybe the order might surprise people, but I don't think what games it is will surprise people. All right, so enough of the rigmarole. Let's get to it. Donnie, as the guest, what is your number 10 game of the decade? Mario Kart 8. And if you want to put in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe 
I don't care, but Mario Kart 8. Um, Mario Kart has been around for the better part of 30, 30 years now. It's a tried and true formula. It's always sold well. It's always been played. But what they did with Mario Kart 8 took that known quantity to a whole new level. And that's saying a ton coming off of the Wii, where Mario Kart on Wii sold like 35 million copies. But Mario Kart 8 continues to sell at that pace. It's sold on Wii U. It's sold on Switch when they re-released it. It continues to sell. It's in their top three every year. And not that sells equate to a favorite game, but this is one of my favorite games. When I think about the decade, I can squarely say that I've played Mario Kart 8 most of this decade. We've had Shaq Nights back when we were doing MTTG Nights. I mean, I've been playing this game forever. The Amiibos, the costumes, all the great course designs. I mean, it's almost... I honestly, I almost wonder, like, what do they do next? Where do they go from it? It's got Animal Crossing in it. It's got Link in it. I mean, it's just Nintendo Kart. They've got to go back to, like, Double Dash or something. they got to get crazy with it because Mario Kart 8 might be the perfected formula of Mario Kart. It's like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in that regards. It's going to be tough to follow with anything else because it's that good. It plays great. It's very approachable. Everybody can play and have a great time. Even if you're not thinking like the, the racing metal peach, you know, blowing everybody away with the metal <laughs> cycle because you're a cheater. Uh-huh. Carts only, folks. Carts only. But uh, yeah, man, when I think back this decade, Mario Kart 8. Wow. What a, what a big impact game. So you kind of answered what one of my questions was going to be. But what what do you think they do for Mario Kart 9? And when do you think that happens? Good question. I don't know. I really don't. Um I think they've got Breath of the Wild. We know they've got, I mean, we know they have them. They've got Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild 2 and they've got Metroid. Right. Sprinkling a Mario or two, a Zelda remaster in there. That's what they've got for the next, say, two to four years. After like year three, they're going to be in a hard place because they're getting to the point where they either have to start creating new, very successful IP or they've got to start refreshing the lineup. And you got to go back to Splatoon and Mario Kart and Smash and get these things back out. And, I mean, they've set the bar extremely high for these franchises. So that's why I said I think they got to go crazy. They got to get real wacky with it. They've got to go with a whole whole new gimmick mechanic that we've never had before that changes everything. You know, like you can't race upside down anymore. Like none of that's going to catch anybody's attention. But a Double Dash sequel, like a Mario Kart 8 with two-player co-op and stuff like that, that might do it because a lot of people are very nostalgic for that and bringing that back would be new. It would be a new spin on things. Awesome. And this is why I was so glad to have you on because right away, out of the gates, that Nintendo love representing. Ooh, one, two, Spoilers. three, four, <laughs> five. That's what I thought. All right, Josh, you're number 10, sir. All right, my number 10 uh, won't, I don't think, will come to a surprise based on uh, if we chat in Discord uh, and you find out what I love outside of video games. And that bleeds right into it with Until Dawn is my number 10 game of the decade. And uh, this is a game that could probably fly by a lot of people's radar, but I don't think people understand what this game did for um, horror gaming. Uh, and ep- it's not, I don't want to call it episodic gaming, but it has that feel to it, right? Like you could sl- literally sit down and play like a definition of a chapter. Uh, uh, and I, I feel like the problem is Until Dawn was so good that Man of Medan 
could it not reach the heights of oh, it? Oh, it doesn't even try. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and it's a bummer because like that's where we thought we were going with this with this anthology, but uh, until Don maybe set the bar too high for what we're going to be given in future horror games. That's how good this game is. And there's so many different ways to play. You will ne- like you can't purposely play until dawn the same way every time. That's cool. I love that. And it, it really is um like until dawn 2, PlayStation 5. Come on. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get it. I don't know when. But we're going to see some next-gen sequel to this, and, and I cannot wait. So until then, very easy to put in my top 10. Um, it just kind of happened to fall at 10. It could have been higher. Donnie, you played, did you play until then? Certainly did. I loved it. Sorry, I was moving my mic, so I was trying to That's get fine. the time mark. Um, no, I absolutely loved it, and it r- absolutely ruins Man of Medan for me because <laughs> it was my expectation. I was playing Until Dawn, and I started playing. I was like, "This is not." It's, I maybe it's revisionist history, but I was, mm. I was like, Until Dawn definitely controlled better. It played better. like I thought everything about it was better. I was like, "Wow!" Um, but no, I love Until Dawn. It was on my list, uh, my giant list, not my top ten, but my giant list. One of my favorite exclusives on the PlayStation platform. This this go of it. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get another. Cause then, like they they did like some sort of like kind of separation, right? Like they're now they're like completely indie, whereas like didn't Sony publish that game, right? Yep, Sony published yeah, Sony that published and has it. published yeah. other games for them, including they kind of went into the, the VR space for a lot of their next projects, and then obviously the Man of Medan stuff was with Bandai Namco. So yeah, maybe we we'll don't. see. Being the, the horror movie fan, I mean, it's a script that writes itself. Like you're teenagers. Yeah. You're out in the woods. You're being chased by a killer, and you get to. I think that I think that was the part of it that was missing on me a lot. It's just the the '80s horror movie trope tropiness of Until Dawn made it so much fun because that's what the when you're watching a scary movie, right? Like the whole um, stereotype with this, you got people yelling at the screen, "Don't go in there." Yeah. Now you could be the person. You could not go in there. You could do what you wanted. And obviously, I played it. I was like, "No, no, no, go in there. Like, let's see what happens." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there have been rumors. I think Supermassive has said that they are still working on another PlayStation game, and they've kind of offhandedly mentioned that. So maybe, maybe it isn't until Dawn 2. That would be great. Awesome. Okay, my number 10 game, uh, a game I talk about all the time. If you follow me on Twitter, you actually probably have regularly seen pictures of this game because it is uh, my little Twitter background, whatever you want to call it, uh, and that is Bastion. Uh, this is a game that I absolutely adore. It came out back in 2011 from the folks over at Supergiant. A lot of super companies, apparently, right now. Uh, Supermassive <laughs> Supergiant. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoy the narration, the music of the game. The world building is just absolutely beautiful. Playing as the kid, how they use combat in the game, how the world kind of build itself as you're going through it. This was a game that... I have owned it. I think I own it on every platform it's on, basically, other than PC, just because I don't play PC games. But I have it on Switch. I have it on Xbox. I have it on PlayStation. I This is a game I just play regularly. I have it on my Vita, even. And this is a game that I just jump into and revisit anytime I want that piece of, like, kind of comfort food. Uh, and it's just a game I absolutely adore. And, you know, really, everything Supergiant has done, I, I'm a fan of. But still, nothing has quite lived up to what Bastion did for me. I haven't played Hades yet. I do want to try that, but uh, this is a game that I think will be on a top 10 list for me. Even if I did like top 10 games of all time for me, uh, this would be a game that would be fighting for a spot, uh, even if it didn't make it. So Bastion, my number 10. Nice. 
All right, Donnie. What is your number nine, sir? Let's keep the super rolling. Super Mario 3D World um, came out on Wii U. It's not... It doesn't hold the place amongst the Nintendo faithful and the Mario fans that I think it deserves and it should. I think it's one of the best 3D Mario games has ever made. And I think it goes right up there with uh, Mario 64 and on all that. I think the I think the issue was it's, it came off the heels of the new Super Mario Bros. gimmick that had been started on Wii and had went to DS by the time it got to Wii U. I think people may have either inadvertently wrote it off or thought it was more of the same or were just tired of it, and that's okay. But it's, it's not worth, like, being tired over. It's in, it's incredibly gorgeous. I think the level construction from a Mario stance is maybe – it's it's probably the best in the series. Um, it's it's really, really good considering that you have all the freedom of a, of a 3D Mario game. If you think of Mario 64, you jump in these levels and, you know, like in today's world, modern standards, we call them what, like wide linear. Like you have all the ability to walk around and everything, but you're still always going forward. You know, it's not open world. They did that for Mario in 3D world, but they made it multiplayer. And the game is built around multiplayer up to four players. So you kind of have like this competitive runbo smash like element where you can totally troll folks or you can play along with friends or you can carry family and and kids with you which is what i did to play the game with my kids um it's also their first hd mario game mm. i guess if you count super mario bros you which i don't but it's it's stunningly gorgeous i mean really it's really really beautiful it's one of the best looking wii u games i'm dying to see it come to switch maybe putting on a more popular system might give that game like a resurgence and, and a, and a uh, you know, a new lease on life that it, I think it deserves. It, it did really, really cool things with mechanics. So you have the cat Mario suit, which is in Super Mario Maker. And I know people look at that and they go, oh, it's not that different. The verticality in these some of these levels that they have is really impressive. And there's a lot of hidden secrets and things that that suit lets you have. Probably the most impressive one, though, is the Double Cherry, which, like, clones Mario and then lets you control two characters at one time. And they have all kinds of puzzles that are built around that that same mechanic. So I really, really enjoyed it. Bowser's Casino World at the end is idealistically, like, perfect. It's amazing. All the glitz and glamour and the lights and everything that are blinking. Bowser has this drop-top like old school, like Cadillac or Fairlane that you've got to chase and some of the boss battles that are really, really cool. It's just really, really great. It's a big Mario game. There's like, I mean, it has Captain, that's where Captain Toad comes from. If you ever played Captain Toad, you like Captain Toad, like those levels were built in. It had that game in it as second things. There's an overworld hidden secrets and everything that people love. I just, I really, really love it. And I think as years go by, you like playing Odyssey, which I thought was really good, right? That's what I, I said for a year. I was like, I really like Odyssey. But it's not 3D world. Then I think as years go by, I keep remembering. It's like, man, I don't even know if I appreciated how good I think 3D world was when I played it the first time. Like even now when we turn on the Wii U and we go back to it and we all hop in as different folks and we pile up with different controllers and start playing. It's like, man, this is a really, really good video game. I, I struggled. I wanted to put Galaxy 2 on it hmm. because a lot of the conversation of the decade with Mario and Zelda for that matter is we want something new do something else it's the same thing as everything 3D World did something else even if it looked like another Mario game that's what Galaxy did and that's what 64 did and um, I think this is the better one and that's why I put it on my list I definitely had much more fun playing it um, all like the safari levels and the beach levels there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there and easter eggs and stuff that I, I thought was great so that's my number 9 game Super Mario World Super Mario 3D World 
So, quick question. I remember when Odyssey came out, and like you said, you liked the game, but I think you were definitely more lukewarm on it than most people were who yeah, were Nintendo fans. Yeah, I thought it was fans. a great eight. People tell me this is the greatest Mario game of all time, right. but not even close. <laughs> do, you, do you think if Super Mario 3D World came for and came out on Switch, do you think people would recognize it as being better or on par with Odyssey, or do you still think people would think Odyssey is a better game? I think people would think Odyssey is a better game because that's the narrative. Right. Okay. The narrative was that I don't think you know, like releasing Super Mario Bros. U didn't change the narrative of that game. I think the narrative for this game has been written, I think, like a like a Wind Waker type of thing. If it could come back in a new way, I think more people that didn't play it on Wii U might play it and go, you know, this game is great. I'm having a blast. I think I think we'd actually might be surprised at how well it would sell. And like with something else we've seen with Super Mario Bros. U, it sold really well. I think this game would sell really well as well. And I think folks that didn't have Wii U's, and that's the majority of the market, they would get exposed to a really great 3D Mario game. So, Awesome. Josh. Hi. Your comments for Donnie or your number nine, whichever you'd like to Ooh, do. You know, I never played. Uh, I always wanted to play Super Mario 3D World. I never did. So I actually am one of those people hoping for a Switch port. Uh as much as I give guff for ports, um, it's definitely one of those games I would love to play, especially with my wife, because it seems like one of those games that suits us both. Uh, so yeah, no, a great, great pick. Um, <laughs> the one thing that's different now than 10 years ago, Josh, is 10 years ago, Josh pro- loved, played so many Mario games. It, it was insane. Um, so I really feel like I'm a little disconnected from that. So my, my theory that I have been postulating for the decade, years now, is that I think people age out of Nintendo at some point. I think most people all do. Eventually, it's like they Nintendo grabs you, and it's usually your introduction to games. And yeah. then as the more and more you play it, you know, it's like anything. The more and more you're exposed to it, you start looking for new, you know, new stimulus. And yeah. I think people just kind of age out of Nintendo at some point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if I can get back into it. Uh, Mario Maker 2 is still on my short list of games to pick I up. I think kids reinvigorate that because then all of a sudden you start sharing your nostalgia yeah. you know, with your own. You're like, look at this game that I used to love to play. And you kind of rekindle that a little. That's a good point. So I got, what, two more years until that happens? <laughs> yeah. It'll be Switch, switch 2. Uh, okay, so num- my number nine is actually the game I have uh, – the game I spent – the most time I ever spent playing a video game. In fact, uh, when it came out, like a year after it came out, I got a, um, I got my you know, like yearly Microsoft. Like this is what you've done. Like like you were just talking about the Switch one. I was in the top one percent of players in the world playing this <laughs> game. Um, the first year of Destiny, I put in over a thousand hours playing Destiny. Uh, that was literally three plus hours every day of the week for a solid year. It was insane. So Destiny, OG Destiny is my number nine. Um, that's not saying that Destiny 2 isn't as good, but, uh, for me, Destiny was this blend of RPG and first-person shooter that we hadn't seen before. Uh, And if we had seen, like, a version of it, it was not a good version of it. Uh, Obviously, it had its issues. uh, And and games that released around the same time as Destiny, this is, like, the year of unfinished games being released. So it wasn't uncommon. It was just frustrating. Uh, so 
the thing that I liked the most about Destiny was I had someone that I uh, consistently played with every day. So every time you heard people complaining about maybe the same issues I had with Destiny 2, I just wasn't experiencing them because I had a consistent person to play with. I also didn't have a child. I also wasn't married yet. Like there's a lot of different things in my life that made Destiny accessible to me as in in comparison to now, but um there's there's not a lot of, I can think of gaming-wise that brings so much joy memory-wise to me as Destiny does. Uh even with the repetitive nature of some of the uh objectives and missions and things like that doing my first raid with five other people was crazy to me. I didn't, you know, I'm not a World of Warcraft gamer. I wasn't someone doing like these giant MMO activities. So this was really weird for me to be participating and enjoying this kind of event, but it it does such a good job of not making you feel like you're in this giant MMO world. Um, And it was a constantly evolving game as well. Much of what Destiny 2 has become. Obviously not on the same scale, but... um, I mean, if you've been in our Discord, you know we have passionate player uh, for Destiny. (laughs) Um, That might be sad that it's only number nine for me, but I was was just kind of thrilled to be able to include it on my top ten because I'll always look back fondly on my time with Destiny 1. Uh, as it were awesome i actually thought that'd be higher on your list me too actually i thought a lot of things would be higher or on my <laughs> list when i was doing my list <laughs> awesome uh my number nine is uh, one of a couple games on my list that are kind of there to represent a series but i didn't want to put a full series on so this is the game from the series that i am picking to kind of carry that all forward um and that is assassin's creed for Black Flag, oh, which okay. I know is a controversial pick <laughs> for some people, yeah. because some people really hate the boat. I love the boat. Yeah, Donnie hates the boat. You're one out of three on this one. <laughs> That's fine. I love the boat. Black Flag was the... I had played all these Assassin's Creed games, and I, I enjoyed three more than a lot of people did. I thought three was fine. <clears throat> I love before three. I, before I absolutely fell in love with, with how they built the world, the fact that you could sail from island to island, that you're building this ship, that you're exploring these really different environments from what the they world, had done previously. The world building was stellar. I played a lot of Black Flag. I really did. It's not like I got in the boat and quit playing it. I played the game for 20, 30 hours on Wii U. I put a lot of time into it. Um, yeah, I just don't like boating. <laughs> Yeah, and I, part of me didn't know if I was going to pick this one because I really love Odyssey a lot, and I love everything they've done to change the game and modernize it. I love how the new controls are, and I genuinely think I would have a hard time going back now to Black Flag to play it with how the buttons are mapped. Isn't think- Odyssey? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Isn't Odyssey okay. like one of the most impressive games? Like, yeah. I love it for everything. It's chocked full. It is like the biggest game I have ever seen. I, yeah. I, I think I did 30% of the story, and it was like that equated to like 7% of the game. It's like yeah. nothing there. I played it for hours. I was like, I yeah. can't play this forever. I keep going back to it and playing it. I'm 40-some hours into it, and I'm like 10% done or 12% done with the story. It's so <laughs> huge. It's like a thousand Skyrims. It's insane. <laughs> Which is part of the reason I didn't feel like I could put it on this list, because I have no idea how the story ends in it. That's why I, I quit I playing know. it. I quit playing. I was like, I can't. What am I? 
just going to play this game for five years. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So, but as a result, like I said, black flag is the one that's on here. And like I said, I know it's the, one of the more divisive ones. Cause some people really don't like the boats. I love it. I had so much fun in that game, going around, seeing the white whales, doing all of that cool stuff. I thought it was a great time. Uh, and I considered picking it up on switch. Cause they just released like the double pack with rogue. Did you know that the port is actually like very favorable on switch? Like a lot of people are saying like how good it is. Yeah, for and that's the Switch what I, version. Yeah, and that's what I've heard, which is why I almost picked it up, uh, but I decided not to. So Assassin's Creed, I've played every single one of them, other than the first one. I never. Played I've never one. done Rogue, and if they release Rogue separately, I might like that. Might that'd be the one I'd, I'd like to try? Yeah, because I got Rogue because of getting the season pass for Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just love the series, and I know you know I, I think they've done a good job of taking some time off with it now and, and giving it that little bit of room to breathe. Um. So hopefully it comes back in 2020. That's the rumor. It'll be bigger was... than ever. It'll be a thousand yeah. Odyssey. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Um. It's just Assassin's Creed Infinite. Indeed. Uh, no, I I think I, I think your your pick is spot on. I think it's a really good pick because Assassin's Creed Black Flag was kind of like the Assassin's Creed 2 of this decade. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had Assassin's Creed games we've had to come before, but it was a huge step forward. I went to Black Flag, everybody started, you know, everybody loved Black Flag and everybody loved Assassin's Creed again, so it was kind of the start of everything that's happened since. Absolutely. So that's my number 4 pick. Number uh, 4. Donnie. Number 4. Or my number 4. Sorry, my number oh, 9. Assassin's Creed 4. Black Flag. All right. Number 8 is a uh, is one that might be on your list. You guys ready? Yeah. Playable teaser, a.k.a. <laughs> PT. Yeah. Okay. That's a good pick. I think, pick. I think PT is the scariest video game ever. <laughs> Not that I've played. I think I've never seen a video game scarier than PT. I love <laughs> watching people play it. I love playing it. It's so beautifully simple in the sense that you just keep walking the hallway picking up the glue, picking up the thing, and it's grotesque and creepy and eerie, and the game continues to live. Did you see the the IGN article where, like, some hacker got a way to go walk outside? Yeah. Like, he hacked the game, and he's walking around the world. He falls through the world, and Lisa kills him as he's falling in a glitched state. She's always there, (laughs) constantly haunting you. Oh, it was, I was so excited the day that this came out. I'll never forget it. We were watching the the press conference at E3. Kojima was up there probably talking about Lord knows what. I don't know what he was talking about. Metal Gear something. (laughs) And they just like, oh yeah. And there's this game out now. And I was like, there's a game out? Like now, now? And I, and it was, and I went and downloaded it and started playing it. And if, I'm not sure how if you guys got into it like that first day, it took a minute for that snowball to get rolling. Cause there were people like me, like this game is incredible. And people are like, what game? Isn't that a demo? Yeah. No, 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 no. You've got to go play this game. And it took a few weeks cause you know, E3, all the news, you know, all this stuff was happening. Probably No Man's Sky or Destiny something. You know, everybody was not paying attention. But as more and more people got to playing this game, they were like, holy. And it had Guillermo del Toro and Norman Reedus and Silent Hills. And oh, man, it's like everything that like a horror fan would want in a video game. Teasing the future, callbacks to the old, creepy, eerie, terrifying, absolutely terrifying I remember when they took it off the the eShop or took it off the PSN, the the store, 
I protected my PlayStation like with my life. <laughs> I didn't upgrade until I had a 100% confirmed way to transfer data. I was like, no, I'm going to keep this PlayStation forever. <laughs> like, I'll never get rid of this PlayStation. I had my old PS4 with the faceplate for years <laughs> until somebody was like, no, 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 you can transfer it. I was like, even PT. And I needed to see proof. That was like, I wasn't taking Devin's word for it. No, 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 no. You show me somebody that transferred and I need to see them transfer it PT from one console to another console. And I'll never get rid of my PlayStation because of it. Like, I can't tell you how much love I, even if I like, I didn't beat it this year, but just every year around Halloween, taking a stroll down that hallway, <laughs> booting that bad boy up again. Like just remembering how good that was. It had no business being half as good, a quarter of good as, as it is. It's amazing. Beautiful, beautiful work of art. I love mm. PT. Number eight. That is one of my biggest concerns about upgrading to a PS5. Is there a way that I'm going to be able to keep PT? You know you're not. I know. And that's <laughs> like, so I'm like, I guess I'm just stuck with this PS4 forever. Uh, awesome. That is a great pick. That is a, I did not expect that on anyone's list, but I applaud that pick, Donnie. That is awesome. Uh, Josh, your number eight, sir. Okay, my number eight is my cheat um, because it's two games. Uh, but it is also our first crossover. Uh, and that is Mario Kart 8 and Forza Horizon 3. Those are even Whoa, wait those a minute. That doesn't count thing. as a cheat had, at all. I, That's ridiculous. I had to include them both. I, I had to. Judges, foul. <laughs> okay. Two fouls. <clears throat> if I have to include one, then it's Forza Horizon 3. So not Mario Kart 8. No crossover. Um, so Forza Horizon 3. Stellar game. Easy to make. Easy to make the list. Um, let me cross off my crossover. My my uh, crossover. No crossovers. Um, uh, it's just uh, Forza Horizon Four had so much promise. Uh, it just didn't match the um, the big jump. The jump from two to three for Forza Horizon. Um, uh, Forza Horizon Three just it's not a it's not a racing game. It is. But it's not. It is an open world game where you happen to be driving cars. Open world adventure game. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And it's not a game that I thought I wanted until I raced a plane. Until I raced a train. Uh, what else? Sam I am. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, raced I would in play the rain? in a box. <laughs> against a fox. Sonic Fox. Um, it was just... It, it is still great. There's so much content for this game. It is still very well supported by Microsoft. You could easily just jump in, download Blizzard Mountain. Lego. And get in there. Or not Hot Wheels. Hot Sorry, Wheels. Hot Wheels. Yeah, yeah, Hot Wheels. Blizzard Mountain. All this content. The game, it's the best racing game you can play. And I say that telling you I just took Mario Kart 8 off my list. But... For different reasons. Different. Uh, completely different games. Forza Horizon 3 is the best racing game that you can play because you can play simulation races if you want to. It has Forza in it. It has a simulation racer in an arcade adventure racer. There's so many options to this game. Um, it's just incredible. And it's a game I showcased to people that are like when my brother came over to look at my Xbox boom check out this game play this intro level 
Like, I still keep the Forza Horizon 3 demo on my Xbox because the demo puts you right into these this crazy i think it's you yeah you race in the plane in the and then it cuts into that slow motion where the plane flies over your car and it's like really quick cut scene but keeps you right in the race as you splash into a puddle of water that sprays onto the screen and then all of a sudden your controls change because you're in the water and you're not expecting that to happen uh in a racing game it's just I mean, I talked forever about Horizon 3, and I still could, I think it's, obviously. <laughs> I think it's Xbox's most um, successful, impressive published game of the decade. Yeah, for sure. So, mm-hmm. easy to put on my list. I just tried to squeak in Mario Kart 8 with it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the effort, but unfortunately, we just cannot combine genres. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> to a number. Those, are, those are different. That's okay. I hear you. No, I, I 100% respect the decision. I never played Forza until Forza Horizon 3 had come out, and I wouldn't have never played if it wasn't for you and Nathan and Mo. And I remember when it came out, everybody was talking about, oh, it's game of the year. I was like, what? It's a racing game? It can't be game of the year? Yeah. And I played it, and I logged 30 of the most fun <laughs> I've ever had in a racing game. And I don't play racing games. I'm not that genre person, but you're right. It's not a racing game. I play Forza. I don't race anybody ever, yeah. never. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Don't care. Don't want to. I like finding cars. I like smashing boards. I like doing speed traps and all of that. That's the fun part that I have. And it's amazing that that game lets you do it. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Forza Horizon 3, Josh's number eight. Uh, my number eight is a game I think will be a crossover, but I think it'll be far higher on uh, someone else's list. But we'll see. I could be wrong about this. I might write it. It is what I consider to be the last great game from this company, though I think they have another uh, series that other people will consider to be equally good or maybe better. Uh, and this barely makes it in to the decade, uh, but this is Mass Effect 2. Uh, oh, my back God. Back in 2010. <laughs> Kyle. What? <laughs> Number eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> why are you, why are you laughing at me? I'm just very surprised, that's all. <laughs> what? I, I'm just surprised. Man. It's Okay. You thought it'd be higher? Oh, yeah. Wait, I thought it would be way higher for you. I actually considered putting Mass Effect 3 instead because uh, I loved the multiplayer in Mass Effect 3 so much. Okay, tell me about 2. I don't want to get into a okay. Mass Effect Anyway, 3, Mass Effect 3 2, argument. Uh, Commander <laughs> Shepard, you know, doing his thing with the Normandy. But really, for me, the big part was this was one of those games where I really cared about every single member of my party, and I wanted to go do the missions to get to know them better, to understand who these people were. I love the world of Mass Effect and everything they did there. Uh, and Andromeda, like, I appreciated that they tried to come back to it and really inve- and you know reinvest us in that world, and it just didn't quite work. But Mass Effect 2, I think, is just took everything they did in one, improved on almost all of it. It's a little less RPG-y. But really improved the combat, the story, everything in it just feels better. And it's a joy to play. And it's still a joy to play to this day. Uh, so I know most people would say this is, you know, a game of the decade contender could be like number one on people's list. Even a argument best RPG. People could argue for this. Uh, I really love Mass Effect 2. I think something I've realized about myself is that 10 years ago, I liked RPGs way more than I do today. Sure. And I think that, for me, is the biggest thing that pushes this a little further down the list. I I still have occasions that I enjoy playing RPGs. They just don't hold me like they used to. So, as a result, at number eight, Mass Effect 2. All right. Donnie, your number seven, sir. My number seven is Fire Emblem Awakening. 
Um, I've played Fire Emblem for quite some time. I got introduced to Fire Emblem proper on GameCube. And on GameCube, I also got, like, this is the time I was playing, like, Army Men and Battalion Wars. And, like, I like these types of games. Um, I'm not, like, Age of Empires into them. Mm. But, you know, like the little arcade versions and things like that, I like them. And then I played played it on Wii, which is Radiant Dawn. Yeah. I got that one when it was, like, new and played it. And I didn't, and to be honest with you, I didn't like it as much. The thing that I loved about it on Wii was the pointer controls. I thought it was cool. It was, like, that's a great way to play, like, an RTS. It's like a mouse. And, uh, but, you know, like, again, like, like Battalion Wars 2 was on Wii and, like, Pikmin, kind of, is, like, the same thing. It was, like, I had a lot of fun playing these types of games. But I would have never called myself a fan of the series. Um, I think I beat the GameCube one. I don't think I ever beat the Wii one. I would have never have been like, oh, I beat the games. You know, like, I would have never stood up or, or tried to make a case for these games until Fire Emblem Awakening. I never played really portable games until Fire Emblem Awakening. Fire Emblem Awakening is the reason I bought a 3DS. Uh, listening to Nintendo voice chat and everybody talk about what a great game it was. It was getting game of the year conversations and talks. I was like, I, I've got to play this game because I liked Fire Emblem. Like I, I kind of enjoy these games. And Fire Emblem Awakening was the first game that started like the whole, you could partner up your units and then partnering them up in battle hmm. would lead to stat boost in like story after the battle and potentially like relationship building and marriages and all that. And that changes all kinds of things. And then on top of all of that cool stuff I loved about playing Fire Emblem the game, Fire Emblem Awakening story is epic. It is grand in, in tale. It is the reason that like I started to believe in portable games. Because up until this point, I've talked about this in the Nintendo Shack before, the reason I never had a Game Boy or a GBA is when those games existed, when I saw people play those games, to be quite honest with you, I always thought portable games were inferior. I was like, well, it does not look as good as it does on my TV on my GameCube. This does not look as good, right? And that's, you know, it's a portable machine. I get that. But that was always my reason. It wasn't until Fire Awakening where I was like, this is a console-like experience. This is a game, you know, this is as best in its genre, and I'm playing it on the go. Like, this is incredible. The story with Marth and Lucina and Krom and Emerum and it's got time travel and huge giant monsters and awesome villains and like this backstabbing moment where like things are what they seem, but they're not. And it's just epic. It's just so epic in the best of ways. It had tons of DLC. I played, I feel like I played Fire Emblem Awakening for like a solid year. I just kept playing it. My first 3DS had a Fire Emblem like insignia that I, that I bought off Etsy and like put across the side of it. I mean, that's how much I was into this game. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for this game, I wouldn't believe in portables. If it wasn't for this game, I wouldn't count myself as a Fire Emblem fan, to be quite honest with you. Because since this game, I've bought it and played every, I've bought and finished, I've bought, played and finished every Fire Emblem game since this game. So this is the one for me. I still think it's the best story. I still think it's probably the, like my, it'd probably be the one I'd love to introduce people to. Um, because I, I think it's the best, like they have different mechanics, different things have gotten grander, bigger, but this is the one, this is the quintessential one. And, uh, I, I think it's worth mentioning as well, although it's not on my list because of this reason, this saved the series. The franchise was on the brink of being nixed, gone away forever. This was it. This was the last hurrah. Fire Emblem Awakening. What a smashing hit. What a franchise it turned into. It became like an annual release. We've had like four or five of these games since then. I mean, incredible, impactful, 
I love it. I think it should be on people's consideration for game of the decade, but definitely on my favorites. Number seven, Fire Emblem Awakening. Nice. Well, my number seven is on here. So it's, it is a sequel to a series. It is, it is the final potentially. It's not the final. It's Uncharted 3. I'm just going to say it. Um, Uncharted 3, it's on here because of its previous titles as well as the game as it's, as it's on its own. Um, it's one of my favorite game series of all time, hands down. And what the Uncharted series does so well is it really blends the movie slash story to gameplay. Um, and for me, a kid of the eighties, like it's Indiana Jones, the video game, like done right. Uh, it, it's exciting. It's surprising. There's plot twists. You get, a, you know, attached to characters and, this was the game the game where you really got more story about if you're a fan of uncharted where your character has come from and what he has gone through and and why he may be the way he is so you get a lot more backstory on the character which really for me builds up this game and this character to not necessarily a likable character but at least a more relatable character and I mean, that's what you want when you're playing a game like this. You want to relate somehow to the character you're playing. And I don't know that I felt that through the first two necessarily. It's more of the like fun, adventure-seeking character. And this was more of a leveling him out as a human being uh, story. And the opening is great when you start the game in the desert in a plane crash. And... You feel like you have to survive and all these cool like things that are happening and um, the roof ch- the jumping and, and helicopters. and There's so much awesome things they added to this game. Um, it's just, it will always be a favorite of mine. And um, yeah, check it out. Uncharted 3, my number seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um so that's a great pick. I, I support that pick. That's good. Um, my number seven. This might be the the next two games are going to be games where I think you guys might have something to say about them. So we'll see what happens here. <laughs> uh, this game is one of the most fun I had in the last decade. Easily, I had the most laughs playing this game that I have. The, no, not just <laughs> that I have the entire decade. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate because the company who made this game uh, definitely is in a, a bit of a state of flux at this point. Uh, but my number seven is Tales from the Borderlands. Ah, oh, okay. Which, That's a good pick. Yeah, which I just I had so much fun with this game. I didn't really care about the Borderlands story at all. I didn't care about the Borderlands universe. Like, I, I enjoyed Borderlands 2. It was fun. This game made me care about a world that I didn't care about at all in any way, shape, or form. And I so desperately wanted a sequel to this game that we never got. Obviously, Telltale now, who knows exactly what situation they're going to be in, obviously, with, you know, the Wolf 2 thing and kind of being working as contractors now and whatever is going on there. But Tales from the Borderlands and the adventures of Reese and Fiona 
and Vaughn and just every all the fun that they have and everything that they do together. Ah, man, the game just caught me so out of left field. I had such low expectations, heard good things, so I thought I would check it out and absolutely fell in love with the series. Uh, still my favorite Telltale series, even counting Walking Dead Season 1. Overall, uh, Tales from the Borderlands is the one I enjoy the most of all of them. So that is my number seven, Tales from the Borderlands. Cool. Good pick. Good pick. Uncharted's another one of those if you could like put franchise down. Right. Uh, to, to top. Right. Right. <clears throat> my number six is my cheat. Okay. Life is strange. And when I say life is strange, I'm really kind of referring to the franchise. I, it's really I hard. figured, yeah. It's hard for me to pick one game. Also, I think because the games are so short, the games individually maybe don't stand up mm-hmm. to, to other games. Um, I love Life is Strange because it takes a video game, like, silly fantasy approach to dealing with real-life problems. And it has, you know, I still think, for, for what it's worth, I think um, Life is Strange 2, for that matter, is the best use case of sex in a video game mm-hmm. that we've ever had. Right. And it does that with like abuse and friends and family and it talks suicide and gossip. And as we're seeing in the upcoming one with Dolnod um, on the Xbox, tell me why they're going to get into to trans, you know, relationships and we already have like lesbian and gay relationships that they have. And these are hard topics to broach um, just on their own. And mm-hmm. it seems like Dolnod embraces it. Um, they have a lot of political views, whether you agree or disagree with them, that they that they push in their games. And I really applaud them for even trying because um, in the world of video games where it costs millions of dollars to make these, you can easily understand why folks would not want to do that, why they would want to, you know, appeal to the widest majority possible. You don't want to offset or, or stand for anything or, or have anything that's polarizing. Don't do that, right? Just give everybody something that makes everybody feel good. And uh, Life is Strange doesn't do that at all. And I think the the franchise is, uh, like I said, being my cheat, I, I think some of the most special moments in video games that I've had this decade. Um, whether you're talking about Max and Chloe's uh, like pool scene, when they sneak into the pool or Chloe and Rachel's, um, if you guys haven't played Before the Storm, they have this scene where they're like in a play and they're doing like this playback. And it's just like, it's almost magical. It's like, it's very, very sweet and cute. And it really endears you to the characters. Uh, Sean and Daniel's like camping trips um, because they're on the run and like through the wilderness and how it plays into nature, which is another like huge theme of the games. And then, um, you know, Sean and Cassidy, which is probably my favorite. I really love this game. It's not a telltale game. It gets compared to it quite a bit because they're both episodic and they're both narrative based. And I understand why the difference being in life is strange. Like the major theme, if you will, of the game is that you can't change the outcome, even though you can. So like the game lets you, you make a decision. Everybody knows how these games work. Like you make a decision and your decision has ramifications and life is strange. You're allowed to rewind that decision and kind of remake it. But the decision is never what you think it is, and it never plays out the way you think it does. And that's really life. That's how life is. You don't know. You can't predetermine the outcome. Even if you think you have all of the elements of information to make the correct decision, you don't because that's not life. It's somewhat chaotic, and I think Life is Strange embraces that. So uh, sorry to take a cheat pick. I really couldn't. Like you guys know, my favorite is Before the Storm. That's my favorite one. Um, But 
I think Chloe and Rachel's relationship is probably my favorite to, to go into. Um, but just Life is Strange, the game, has been such a huge factor for me this entire decade since the moment I came out. Um, I really, really enjoy it. I mean, that's why I have my little figures right here like in, front of, <laughs> in front of me. This is right here in front of me. I mean, it's, I, think it's, I think it's truly special. I love what they do, and I can't wait to see what they do going forward. Awesome. That's a great pick. And I... I still need to play Before the Storm. I still need to play two, and I want it, to play God. them. I know. I want to play them. Um, but we'll see when I get to that. Chloe and Rachel so. in that game. I mean, that's next level stuff. You do – I I mean, I think Before the Storm is probably enhanced if you play the first one first. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to. I mean, that one it deals with – I don't want to get split, but there's a lot of – like tragedy and death and things in that one that you don't encounter. I mean, like it's there are no games doing that. And when they right. do it, it's either like heavy handed or it's like tossed away. You yeah. know, like the only games that would even give like partial credit and maybe like like heavy rain or Detroit, like they kinda get into there, but it's not the same. Right. They're not at that level. And yeah. um last last little plug, the music for Life is Strange is just amazing i love so many of the songs and it just litters my entire library i walk around with this music the soundtrack in my head at all times awesome all right life is strange johnny's kind of cheap pick with the franchise at number six uh josh what is your number six sir all right well speaking of chaotic and heavy-handed um (laughs) my number six pick is uh what if gears of war and siphonfelder had a baby and that game would be Spec Ops The Line. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, the reason why I comment on uh, <laughs> Chaotic and Heavy Handed is because there's definitely some things yeah. that happen in this game. Um, it I love was, this game. It was, kind of, it was pretty innovative for its time. It, wasn't, mm-hmm. it didn't originate the cover system, but it certainly um, did... Uh, level it up a bit it, like the cover based shooter wasn't perfect at this point i don't know that it still is but it was definitely uh in its adolescence for gaming and it really captured on this um the, when i think back about spec ops the line i really there's a lot of vivid imagery i have about that game and some of it is like the sandstorms in that game where you really don't know where the enemy is you really feel like you're in this game and these are the tricks they pull to make you feel like this character and then they pull the rug out from under you and for me it's some of the craziest gaming memories i will ever have with what happens and i still will i will never spoil spec ops line because so many people haven't played it and i would hate for that to be taken away from them if they do you know if it's enhanced on x at all you know i don't i don't know um so it's okay i didn't want to i would be curious i bought this game like two months ago because i wanted to go back and replay it i just bought it yeah it was on sale and i just bought it and i just i don't know but i i'm 100 with you it's um it's very resonant like shooter like when you play that game, you never forget it. It's it sticks yeah. with you. And it, it it also buried in there is is important uh, lessons on warfare and what it means to be a soldier and what it does to soldiers. There's a lot behind this seemingly third person shooter uh, that takes place in the desert. There's a lot going on in this game. 
Um, this could have been much higher on my list, uh, but I'm I'm pretty happy with my top five. So uh, I I think uh, this kind of sits nestles in where it is right now. Excellent, Spec Ops Line. That is a great great game. Definitely yeah. a great game. Uh, my number six is a game that when I played, I had very low expectations for, and it absolutely blew me away. And then I couldn't stop talking about it and encouraging everyone else to play it. And I think most people enjoyed it. Um, but it's a little game that's called What Remains of Edith Finch. And this game released by Giant Sparrow back in 2017, if I recall correctly. It just has you taking control of Edith as she explores her family home. And you expo- and you experience all of the things that her family experienced through all these different vignettes that have separate control schemes and separate ways of doing things. And the house is so beautifully detailed. The soundtrack by Jeff Russo is absolutely amazing. And it's this really sad story of, of you go through and experience the life that this family has had and just everything that they have gone through. And it's such a sad, touching tale that it was something I couldn't stop thinking about. And it's a game that when folks are talking about, well, what do video games do differently now? Or, or how can they tell stories differently than they have in the past? When To folks who maybe don't know a lot about video games or, or keep up with them, What Remains of Edith Finch is the game I go to in my mind immediately about really telling stories in a unique way that are very touching, down-to-earth stories that all of us can relate to in some way. Um, and that game is something that is truly special to me. Um, like I said, that my top five are all games that I love, love, love. So organizing my top five was very hard. Um, but what remains of Edith Finch kind of stands right there with them of this game that I, it's going to live with me for the my entire rest of my life when playing video games. It's going to be something I think about. I just adore the game. What remains of Edith Finch? My number six. Amazing game. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for you, I never would have played it. And I loved, I loved it when I did. Um, I love Edith Finch because it could only be a video game. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same if it was a movie or a book or anything else. It wouldn't be the same. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Top five, Donnie. Let's do it. All right. As alluded to previously, number five on my list is The Walking Dead Season 1. Oh. I think it's one of the most impactful, most influential games I've ever played. Yeah. And for that reason alone, it's on this list. Um, I, like many other uh, video game playing man babies, cried my eyes out after the at the end of this, this game. It was one of the first games that... Uh, I mean, God, it feels like it was so long ago. It wasn't that long ago, but we've come so far in video games since then. It was one of those games that proved to me that video games could be like a very, very impactful medium of storytelling. And I don't know if I've played anything like it, like up to that point. Um, You know, I've always played video games and you like you shoot stuff, you jump over stuff, you know, nothing ever like hit me in the story point where I was, but I'll never forget finishing. I finished this thing like two in the morning. It got to the point I couldn't stop. I was like, I have to play this through. I have to finish it. And uh, I'm not even like a Walking Dead fan. <laughs> like This game got me into watching the show, which I then gave up on. Um, <laughs> and I mean, but I finished this entire series. I, I finished the, the, the finale <laughs> as it came out. You guys know that. I pre-ordered every one of them, played them all. Um, but I won't cheat and put the, the, the series up here because the series doesn't belong up here. They're not as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one, I believe, to be... I've always said, I believe the Walking Dead season one to be mandatory video gaming for all video gamers. I'd put this on the list for everybody. I'm still stunned that Caroline hasn't played it. Uh, it's on Switch. She should definitely, she 100% should I play this. I think it's for everybody. Um, it's just, 
perfect writing, just execution, just great, fantastic. So that's that's my number five. It's a great pick. I I contemplated it was bouncing back and forth between that and Tales from the Borderlands, and I kind of thought Walking Dead season one might get some love. So I was like, well. I really had more fun <laughs> with Tales from the Borderlands. <laughs> sure. So I'll go with that one. But at, This yeah, is the one that I was, when you were asking me any that I thought might be on anybody else's mm-hmm. list, it was this one in PT I thought might have some crossover. Gotcha. I know one we share. Yeah. The other ones I don't. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Josh, you're number five. My number five is, well, it's a brilliant reinvention of a brilliant series. And that game is God of War. For the PlayStation 4. Um, I mean, a game that we talked ad nauseum about for three months. Uh, Rightfully so. It was incredible. Uh, it's still a game that's now is still on my shortlist to go back and play New Game Plus. Uh, there's so much more I want to do. How, uh, that being said, like I did so many things on the side, so many side quests. Th- the fact that there's still so many more I can go do. Uh, is a testament to the replayability of that game and the difficulty for that matter. Um, I played in the cinematic mode, which was incredible, removing like health bars and it just really like felt so much more immersive. And once you get through the annoying child part, which the more I'm a dad, the more I relate to, uh, you 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 kind of really start to see this story develop that that you that I don't know that anyone expected in a God of War game. It was very unique, very touching, very emotional, very exciting. Um, it it really falls into that like uncharted, like I'm almost playing a movie feel to it. Except, uh, you know, God of War is its own its own animal, its own beast as far as gameplay and combat and. Um, and one, and I think we can, once you get the Blades of Chaos, I mean, there's so many things that this game does right that I, I, and, and as a fan of like Greek mythology, not knowing much about Norse mythology, this was like really exciting for me to learn more too. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, fantastic game. Easy number five for me. Awesome. All right. Now I want to reiterate. My top five are five games that I absolutely love. You can play any of them any day of the week. I could sit down and happily play any of these. Oh, boy. This is really interesting. (laughs) I already made Josh mad, and now I'm probably going to make Donnie mad because my number five is The Last of Us. Number five? Number five. Did it come Uh, out? Are you talking about the remaster? PS3 one was 2013. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I love The Last of Us. I love the story in The Last of Us. I love the characters in The Last of Us. But the reason I put this at five is purely a gameplay thing for me. I just, I, I struggle with the gameplay in that game sometimes where I, I sometimes feel like things didn't work out or go the way I thought they should have based off of what I was trying to do. That is not saying I don't like the game or that it's bad or anything like that. But that for me was like, how do I figure out where I differentiate these games and these games that I love? You know, what's going to be number one versus what's going to be number five? Um, I'm super excited for the sequel. Uh, there, there's nothing, you know, again, world, character, story, all of that I adore about this game. Um, and, and I think it's really a testament to the, the quality work uh, that Naughty Dog does. And yeah, that's my number five. I don't really have anything else to say about it because we all know about the game. Uh, the Last of Us, my number five. 
Stop trying to soften your landing. I'm telling Neil. <laughs> you're in trouble. I'm sure he'll care a lot. I'm sure he'll be very, he'll care a ton. All right, Donnie, nope. you're number four. Unless, number you're gonna, four. unless you're going to tell me about how wrong I am. <laughs> oh, you're wrong. Okay. Number four on my list is the Wind Waker HD, which was released on Wii U. It's um, up until the Switch release, it was my favorite Zelda of all time, which is my favorite franchise of all time. And the Wii U version is the perfect, the best version of the game. Not only is the HD effect and all the the bloom lighting and all of the new textures, everything they did, given this game that has one of the most beautiful styles that I'm so happy people have come around on. Because when this game was announced and released, people hated this game. Coming off the heels of of the demo and, and Majora's Mask, everybody wanted dark, gritty Link. And here comes little cartoon t- <laughs> Toon Link, and everybody hated him. And uh, and I never understood it because I think it's 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 in a lot of ways it's so hard for me to to split hairs because I still love this game. It's it's still hard for me to not say it's not my favorite Zelda. I think the combat. For one, um, coming to this show as somebody who didn't appreciate Breath of the Wild's combat, I think the combat in Wind Waker is the best because you have a lot of freedom and movement, a lot of different ways of attacking enemies, um, and your weapons don't break. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, like little adventure. Link has family, like his journey has, has weight to it. And, um, just a really touching little tale. Plus, like Link, has always been the little boy that could, right? You know, like everybody's all got on this hot to trot adult Link with, you know, it's not, this isn't Nathan Drake. Like this is Link. And uh, he's a boy out to save the world against all odds and like sailing across the ocean and the music. And it's just, it's a really grand journey. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And playing on the gamepad, having everything mapped to your control screen and get to touch panel and swap in and out on the fly just made playing it better than ever before. And I love it. I still play. I play this game like once a year. I go back to you talk about your top five. You play. I'm right there with you. I play these games. I I actively play these games all the time. I play these games because I love them that much. And um, man, Wind Waker is really, really good. I hope they get a switch port over because people deserve to play that beautiful game. Awesome. I would love to play it. That's for sure. Uh, I think you when I think Wind Waker, when I think of people that need to play Wind Waker, like you jump to mind. Um, I think for a lot of people, they're like, Breath of the Wild's not doing it for me. Like, maybe Wind Waker would. I think mm-hmm. the charting of the seas and things like that might get a little too tedious um, for you guys. But I think actually just playing it, I think you'd be like, I really appreciate this game. It's really good. You know, I, I think a lot of people could find a lot of value in that. Very cool. Josh, you're number four, sir. Hey, my number four is a game that I'm still playing seven years later. And that game is Diablo 3. Diablo 3... Well, I mean, I'm playing it on other platforms as well now, which is crazy. Uh, uh, well, actually, it's crazy that I've played it on three platforms, and then this year I also bought it on another platform. That's the crazy part. Um, Diablo 3, when it came out, it really... Um, it's it's similar to Uncharted 3. It, it took this series that was very well-beloved, and I don't want to say turned it on its head, but it, it really got into the nitty-gritty of what you could do in this story and with all of the gameplay options without really changing the game too much. You, like, if you've played a Diablo, you know Diablo games. Like, that is known. And I think you could say the same about Uncharted games. But Diablo 3 just gave so much more variety. It obviously wouldn't be on my list if it wasn't supported as well as it was by Blizzard. 
and constantly updating it up until like this year, they're still supporting it, which is also something we're seeing as a trend in gaming companies now and specific games, which is nice. But um, Diablo 3 was a game where I, I specifically bought a better computer to play. It's like a console, like launch game. Like this is the, I bought my Xbox for this game game. Um, except the uh, PC, it's twice the cost, three times the cost of an Xbox at that point. Uh, just have little tiny little characters <laughs> running around on your screen, smacking goblins. Like it didn't seem like it needed to be God of War graphic style, like, uh, like CPUs and GPUs, but um, this was one of those games where everyone had it. It was sold. This was when games would sell out. This was you would you couldn't find this game anywhere. You couldn't download it. You had to buy a physical copy. It was you know you couldn't lend it to your friends. Like this was one of those games that was like a phenomenon when it came out. I was working at GameStop, and I literally answered the phone. Thank you for. Oh, it was EB Games Electronics Boutique. Thank you for calling EB Games, where we're currently sold out of Diablo 3. How can I help you? And just click, everyone would hang up. Because that's just how it was. People were looking for this game for months. I mean, I think I think it... it not not like I have... Like, Kyle made me feel like I have to defend my pick after his <laughs> Last of Us. <laughs> like, it was in your top five games. You don't have to defend it. It's in the top five <laughs> games of ten years. So, uh, Diablo... No, he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diablo 3, um, for me, was very important and still is, considering I have it on my Switch and I consistently kill my Switch battery when I play because I just don't stop playing. Um, so I lo- I still love that game. Incredible cutscenes. Tons of lore. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah, Blizzard kills it with all those cutscenes. They really do. Awesome. Uh, my number four is the conclusion to my favorite franchise of all time. Uh, and that is Uncharted 4. Uh, the reason I have this over three is I, I didn't want to put both of them on my list, which I honestly probably could have. Mm. Um, and for me, it really is just because it's the conclusion. Uh, because of the... I, I love the epilogue and how it ends ends. Uh, I love all of that. And for me, who really cares about these characters, uh, this was kind of the, the nice ending to what was a, a wonderful adventure for me. Um, I know there are some people who aren't fans of the game, who think it's too long, who don't like the climbing, whatever. That's fine. Um, Uncharted for me has always been about the characters and I absolutely love and adore these characters. And if they want to do more, like is rumored, I'm totally down for it. Um, but that is my number four Uncharted four as Donnie shakes his head at me again. I can't believe you. What? <laughs> How's this you, not you your number step, one? You step over the last of us grave talking about the gameplay and then your immediate next game is Uncharted four, yeah. which is same gameplay, not as good oh. without clickers waves and waves of people with vests that you just bullet bullet and bullet yeah that i grew that i had rock climbing simulator well that i was with the characters for four games games. i'm giving you some i know i'm with you there i i I loved uncharted 4 you know that (laughs) i know uncharted 4 is my favorite i think i think uncharted's get better from the last one down like if you were to ask me to rank uncharted four three two one it's very easy for me. Yeah. They get better the last one. Like the last one is the best one. Um, so, and uh, man, what a touching way to, and, you know, we, we did our review cast. Yeah. You know how I feel about that game. For sure. Game is fantastic. So it's your number you one, little, right? Just giving you, no, it's not on my list. Don't try to stuff to make my list. And it's because of like I was saying, um, you took, when you took the, your potty break, that's what Josh and I were talking, or Kyle and I were talking about. Uncharted the series. Absolutely. Like hands down. Yeah. 
Uncharted the series makes game you know game franchise of the decade, but any one game to pick out against you know like they're all kind of samey. Like, I love them for what they are, um, but like based on like Kyle's qualifications, free will. Like, am I always willing to play Uncharted Four? No, not really. I've played it twice. I've went through it twice, um, but I, I can't say that I'm always open to playing it. It's just different. Sure. My number three game though. Here comes the wincing. You ready? Prepare for it. Ready. Far Cry Five. Oh, I'm I a, freaking, I, I that's a good choice. I freaking love this game. And <laughs> the more and more I get away from it, the more and more I think I love it. And uh, it proves to me Kyle died. that it's it's not a, it's not a Far Cry thing. Um, I didn't love New Eden nearly as much. It's not even like a care. I don't know what it was. Strange mix of timing and formula. Far Cry 5 was incredibly special. You guys saw me when I played the game. I didn't stop playing the game. It'd be the game like a weekend. I just started playing it and I didn't, I only stopped playing that game to eat. That's the only time I stopped playing the game. I was hooked, line and sinker. I love the world of Hope County. I love the, the Seed family as characters. They're the best. Man, I tried to get the Joseph Seed to do a voiceover for PSVG and he denied us because he has a, a voiceover agreement or whatnot, but I wanted him to like record like this long script, like his babbling on about Babylon and the, the resurrection, the end of the world. I love that stuff. I, I, I just need 10 more Far Cry fives. I never want to see Far Cry, Far, a Far Cry game without those characters. Um, cause it all makes the fun. And then you add in all the reasons that people like Far Cry that I never got into. Like I played Far Cry four and I didn't really enjoy it. I tried to go back to primal after loving Far Cry five. Didn't like that nearly as much. So I'm super scared when they announce Far Cry 6. I'm going to pre-order it and be like, don't like it. Don't want to play this game anymore. Um, but I loved it, man. All the weapons and like getting the helicopter flying around, customizing your cars. It's like super fun, open world GTA game, right? Just open world sandbox, go crazy, blow up everything. But with this awesome story and all these characters, um, make your own game, go fishing, go hunting, blow up stuff like Forza. I love finding all those little trap door, like those bomb bunkers, all those yeah. puzzles. Yeah. I get every one of those. I sat there for hours doing nothing but that. Just going around the map, just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle, not advancing the story at all. Like that's when you think you found something truly special. And it's not about, you know, like when you're just, again, like Forza, when you're just smashing through signs because you found something that you love. So Far Cry 5, number three on my list. I absolutely love this game. I'm glad you enjoy it. Josh, what is your number three? <laughs> oh, boy. Kyle's done. I think Kyle quit. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad he likes it. That is great. I'm glad he enjoys it. It's also super gorgeous. I think you're playing on the wrong console. Just <sighs> What are you talking about? I, pl- I played that game on Xbox One X. Then you should know how <laughs> super gorgeous it is. It's beautiful. Kyle it's incredible. the Donnie bugs. That's what happened with Kyle. Stuck under, again. stuck under docks, like quest givers were like, what? follow me, and then they're stuck under a dock, and they can't go anywhere to wa- walk to the hey, place hey, that you're supposed to go to. This is not a Far Cry 5 review. Okay. I know. Continue on. All right. And don't go under docks for missions. Are you, are you crazy? Yeah, it was the mission that. giver. It wasn't uh-huh, even me. Uh-huh. Okay. So Kyle just played it wrong. Um, That's right. <laughs> That's the beauty of an open world game. You can play it wrong. I mean, you get you get stuck in all kinds of games. Like, you're going to throw a game that's like, just reboot the mission and do it again. Not that big of a deal. My, my number three. Too many things I got stuck on playing Days Gone. The game is full of getting stuck on everything. Oh, that game's bad. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Kyle. <laughs> Josh, uh, you're number three. My number three is Days Gone. <laughs> Liar, you're number three. Uh, my number three... Well, 
if you listen to this podcast, you should be pretty familiar with what my number three is. My number three is Control. And I know it's Cult of the New. However, I thought about this a lot. I wanted to make sure I wasn't just thinking of it because it's recent uh, but I really... I was pretty hard judge on that. Like, I kind of pushed a lot of, like, very recent games down because I wanted to give older games, like, yeah. some... Yeah. I think it's... It's my newest game on my list. When I started my list, this game was number 10. And it got pushed down to 14. Okay, that's still not bad. Um, it was, like, 12 for me. But for me, it's number three. <laughs> and <laughs> No, it's great. It's number three for me because there's a lot of reasons why it's number three for me. Um, one of the big reasons is probably low expectations, uh, at least at first. Um, and th- that shouldn't be why a game is on the top ten games of the decade. But that's what got it into like the like consideration. This is a game where there may be a world where I had super high expectations for this game at some point, and it didn't, like, and then it came out, and it was fine, but this is a game that uh, not many people talked about. We decided, I think together, Kyle decided to get it. He was like, I think I'm going to get it. You know, he was a little lukewarm, and I believe, when we were talking about it. Um, And every... Every single step of this game, to me, is like uh, 101 for character development. You really start at a, at a blank slate, and you develop with this character almost in an RPG way. Not, like, not in that aspect as you're deciding character trades and everything, but you're really along on the ride with Jessie in this game. And everything she... I've said this before. Everything she experiences, you're experiencing right along with her. And I think it's like... The the storytelling, the character development is so great in this game. And there's so much you can do. There's so much to learn if you want it. Like, there's so much more you can talk... There's so many more people you can talk to. There's so much more backstory you can learn. The combat is fantastic and the more you play the more excited for me the more i play the more exciting the game gets and and there's there's parts of the game i've specifically gone back to play multiple times over again uh there's more content coming out which i just really hope lives up to my expectations which probably won't at this point um but donnie mentioned like the female protagonist and how this might be a trend for um, for us, but sorry, I'm not getting choked up. I have something in my throat. <coughs> um, there's just something that I've found with female protagonists in the past maybe five years or so in gaming that I've really resonated with strong female characters and what they're capable of doing. And this is no exception. I, I really um, enjoy every aspect of this game and I, I don't see myself ever not like having this in my backlog at some point to want to go back to or play new content or uh, it would be awesome if they released a new game plus for this game but I think with all the buzz we're going to get definitely more content for this game 
or whatever form that comes in, I'm happy to see. Um, so yeah, control is my number three. Um, it, it it's nestled in there between Diablo and next. <laughs> I, I want to talk about this game. Um, I'm glad you put it on here, but I don't want to de- derail our list, so I'll, I'll weave it into my well-rounded life segment. Okay. Awesome. Uh, my number three is a game that I probably won't talk about for too much because I've talked about it on this podcast uh, a ton. Uh, and it's the game I have played the most hours of this decade for sure, uh, and that is Overwatch. Uh, it came out in 2016. I have played it almost – I should not every day, but darn close to every single day. I played it last night. Uh, this game is something that is very special to me. I still adore playing it. There, you know, are, are some problems with it from time to time for sure, as far as balance goes. And I think that Blizzard has done a decent job of supporting the game as a whole. Um, the competitive scene is great. Playing the game with friends is amazing. Um, but yeah, just a game I absolutely adore. Uh, and uh, you knew it would be on my list somewhere. Uh, so yeah. Overwatch, my number three. Deservingly so. I mean, like if you're getting back, to, you know, and another reason why. I really like us doing our favorites because if you want to talk about like top game, best games, quintessential games of the decade, that list is almost very easy to put together. And Overwatch is absolutely one of them. Yeah, you know, like goes right up to Overwatch, Destiny, Minecraft. Like you can just rattle off some of these very important new right. games. For my sure. number two game is Breath of the Wild. Um, it's my favorite Zelda game of all time. Um, people talk about remaking a franchise. People said a lot about about Zelda for the past decade. Um, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, all of that. Boy, did they ever. I mean, they just flipped it on its head and made open world Zelda game, uh, made an open world, flipped open world games on their heads. Like they've created their own new subgenre, like this thing they call open air with the navigation, everything they have. It's a little la- uh, lackluster on story in terms of the main path. Um, it's pretty cookie cutter, but that would be a disservice to call it the story bad considering there's a thousand little sub stories that you can have with the inhabitants of that Hyrule and all of the different things you can do. Just the world building, um, being able to play a game like that on a portable system. There's a thousand things that can be said. I've said them all before. Um, talk about it like a balance of systems, which I still is the part that always gets me how this game is balanced where you have wind, you have rain, you have fire, you have air, you have electricity, metal things are conductive, you know, they, they get struck by lightning, like just to have all of that balance and then work that into all of the dungeons and all of the bosses. All of that can be be wielded if you know how to wield it, but the game doesn't tell you how. It's not heavy handed. It doesn't show you the gimmick, you know, like for example, not to throw a stone at um, Gears 5, but like Gears 5, they're very, very excited. They're like, look, like the ice, the monsters on the ice, like shoot the ice, you'll fall into it. You know, like that's so like long ago from like Breath of the Wild. Like Breath of the Wild is that and then some in droves. It's everywhere. And it's just like you you may not even know it, but it's all around you at all times. The fact that you can beat this game in eight minutes, like if you're a speedrunner, you can just like run to the end if you're really good, or you can play it for like I have for hundreds of hours. And um, just, man, Breath of the Wild, fantastic. Excellent. And that was the main reason I wanted to have you on, is I knew that would be on your list. And I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to the world if someone on our podcast wasn't going to talk about Breath of the Wild. Sure. So, uh, Josh, you're number two. <clears throat> okay, I guess my number two is actually our first official real crossover. Um, and that is Mass Effect 2. Uh, and I, I really went back and forth on this in my number one. Uh, this could have easily been my number one. Uh, 
Uh, Mass Effect 2... For and this is a game I know, Donnie. You talked about like sitting down and playing a game like Far Cry Five, like you did when yeah, Mass Effect Two came out. Just getting lost. I, I literally took two days off work. I brought my Xbox into my bedroom because I had uh, roommates at the time, and I did not leave my bedroom until it was beat in forty-eight hours, I believe it was. Um, except to do eating and other things. Uh, but it was just constant. I had a beanbag chair. It was way back in the day. I was sitting in my beanbag chair in front of my TV. Um, there was a lot of things that Mass Effect 2 changed, um, notably the elevator rides and the planet exploration. Um, and uh, while that was great, the what Kyle mentioned earlier was the you know the loyalty missions and the character, uh, your your squad development and how some of the decisions you would make in the game could make people hate you or leave your party or worse, um, were were very important. And Mass Effect Three had some of that as well, but I really think Mass Effect Two. was like the quintessential Mass Effect game. It did everything right in my mind. Um, and it was an emotional game as well. It was exciting. Uh, you know, obviously it, it led up to three, so you didn't get a conclusion necessarily. But um, the Paragon system, they really revamped and made it. Like, they set the stage for Mass Effect 3 as far as that goes. Um, it was just so well done. And, and it will be a game that I will always look back on fondly and will want to revisit. <coughs> I don't know that I will, um, just based on the fact that I feel like it's one of those games that once you play, you know, you just, you got it under your belt. Like, it's a notch. Um, but it's a game that I will always remember. And, and if people haven't played Mass Effect, one of the things that bummed me out about it was people who didn't play one. When they bought it on the PS3, they got like that, like, make these decisions now before the game starts. Like, what would you do if you were in this situation? And it tried to, like, simulate what people did in Mass Effect 1 to carry it into Mass Effect 2. And that really kind of, for me, I got to bring my character from Mass Effect 1 into Mass Effect 2. This was a Shepard who had gone through everything. And some people, because I don't, I don't believe it was on PS3, the first one, right? At least originally. So you had to do this like comic booky introduction to make your decisions. But for me, playing on Xbox, I brought all this baggage with me, which I think really enhanced how that game played. And you, you have this established character, um, and he's gone through some stuff, if you will. Uh, so I really enjoyed it a lot. And I'm I'm mumbling and rambling on, but Mass Effect Two, my number two. Awesome. Uh, my number two game is a game that I, I'm guessing you'll hear about in the future, so we'll see what happens here. But my number two is Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, one thing you'll notice in my talk about getting stuck on stuff, am I right? What you, I got? Oh, I have video nothing. proof of me being stuck on several I things. I know. I know. <laughs> like you s- stuck on your inability to let this go. Uh, <laughs> 
Top shelf, sir. Top shelf. <laughs> but one thing you'll notice in my entire list, other than maybe uh, AC4, is that characters matter a lot to me. And characters are really a big, important thing for me in games. And Aloy is probably my favorite new character introduced this generation. I really like her and find her interesting and really want to know more about her journey. I assume we're going to get a Horizon Zero Dawn 2. I have a feeling that's probably yeah. one of the two-ish games that uh, Grillo's working on. And I just like her and I love the world and I like the idea, however markety it is, of a post-post-apocalypse of, you know, kind of seeing things come back that were not sure. in the dreary where in, you know, nature's reclaimed things and is coming back now. Robot dinosaurs. How cool are robot dinosaurs? I was going to say, like, Horizon Zero Dawn is really, really cool. Yeah. Like, if anything, it's just really... And the combat. Yeah. Oh, combat is so good in that game. Yeah. It's really fun to play. It is. I love the combat in the game. I love the music in the game. Everything, it just... It it clicked all the buttons for me. Um, So, obviously, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. But Horizon Zero Dawn, my number two game of the decade. Donnie! Of all... Of all like the the franchises that they have under their stable, like Horizon Zero Dawn two, or whatever they call it, mm-hmm. it would probably be like the most one that might appeal to me most. Right, like that would get me more than Spider Man or God of War or anything like that. I'd be that'd be one that I'd, I'd probably feel like I was missing out on something. I'm like man, yeah. I want to play this game with everybody else. I'm, uh, I, it's really good. I'm going with Horizon New Dawn as the name. We'll see what. Yeah, happens. that's good. That's a good one. That's so, a good one. All right, Donnie. What is your number one game of the decade, sir? Spoilers, The Last of Us. <laughs> um, as I sit here and look at the shrine that I've built dedicated to the game, um, it's my favorite game. And I don't know what else I can say that hasn't been said, that I don't sound completely repetitive and regurgitated. I can tell you this. I don't think PSVG would exist if it wasn't for The Last of Us. I didn't listen to podcasts like I do before The Last of Us. I didn't follow the video game world like I do before The Last of Us. Um, I never got into any of that stuff. I never wanted to share my thoughts on a video game with other people until the last of us. Like I said, I love the Wind Waker and everybody hated it, but I didn't go around telling anybody that I didn't care. Like I didn't frequent forums and stuff like that. I didn't care. What was the last of us? Like the last of us was a game I immediately wanted to talk to people about. I want to hear them talk about it. I wanted to wrap myself in a cocoon of this game. And I'm so excited for the next one. I can't tell you how excited I am for the sequel. And, um, this game is truly, truly special. And the story that they have, I, I was going to say this earlier, and maybe you can say that, maybe you can bounce it off. Maybe, maybe we can have a little conversation that'll bring something new to this. I don't want to project my own feelings on how I think the world was at the time, but my impression, and this might just be because I didn't follow things as much, but I mean, I listened to podcasts beyond and stuff. Like, I feel like I had a pretty good basic grasp of the industry at the time. I don't feel like Uncharted was Uncharted into The Last of Us. I distinctly remember them, like, giving Uncharted 3 away, like, on PlayStation Plus. And I know it, like, sold well, and I know it reviewed well. And when I say sold well, I actually say that qualifying for the time, because at the time, PlayStation was second fiddle and was playing catch-up. And they also, like, had the PSN outage and all that mess. And they, like, they had their own things to worry about, right? Like, The Last of Us seemed to put Naughty Dog on a whole other level, is really what I'm trying to say. Like, it was like, for as great as we love Uncharted and all that, like, it was like, this is, oof. This is like nothing that's ever been done before, period, let alone, like, even their own past works, in my opinion. 
That's how I, I kind of read the tea leaves. And I remember people liking Uncharted and talking about it, but I just, I don't know. Like I didn't, I never felt that fever pitch, that rise when The Last of Us came out. Like, watch out. This is a freight train. Like The Last of Us was it. Like that was it. If you weren't playing the game, like I don't know what you were doing because when The Last of Us came out, it's all you could find. And you don't really see games like that. I mean, that's Breath of the Wild-esque. You know, like, like how exciting would it be for Xbox to have any game of that stature come out, an exclusive game to really, really ra- rally, not just fanboys, not fans of the studios, people have played past games, rally the entire industry around, check out this game and how amazing it is. And the fact that this game stands on that merit because of writing. For all the games that we've talked about tonight, like, that's all The Last of Us is, is a great story. There are better games that shoot. There are better zombie games. There are better games that do everything in The Last of Us, except tell a story and portray characters. And uh, for somebody who loves, I mean, I play, I mean, I have The Life is Strange on my freaking list. For somebody who focuses on narratives, I mean, this game is like a rare air for me. It still is. I've replayed this game. You talk about replaying games. I've replayed this game six or seven times. I just beat it like two months ago. I go through this game maybe every year I play The Last of Us and still having replayed it all every time I go through it, you get one of those cutscenes with Tess or I mean, like this like you go through some of the, the notes like with Ish and all that stuff. And you collect all the Firefly and it's, it's still it's still really, really good. So um, number one, The Last of Us. Awesome. Josh, your number one, sir. Hey, my number one is, yes, you guessed it, another crossover. It's my Breath of the Wild. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> um, yeah. Man, have I talked a lot about this game. But um, something I will say about Horizon Zero Dawn is it might be the first game I've ever played that I was interested in everything that was happening at all times. I didn't get bored. Uh, confused, lost, frustrated. Uh, and I say that not in a challenging way, but like in a, you know, how you get frustrated with games sometimes for not being functional, <laughs> if you will. Um, it was challenging. Uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head of like Aloy's character and her father and how she w- came to be playing as the child. I'm sure these are things that um, people who've played Last of Us have similar feelings to as far as like character development go. Um, I'm not going to say that this is a game that's the first of its kind, but it's a game that is new to me. Like, I didn't play Last of Us. So maybe if that's a comparable... Um, game like i don't have that as like a contrast for horizon zero dawn not to defend me picking it as number one i think horizon zero dawn compares more favorably something like assassin's creed sure than than the last of us i don't sure i could see that i just i i I think assassin's creed like i i get the character development but i never i don't know i I just well it hasn't been since like it hasn't been since like Ezio that we see anything like yeah. Aloy, and even then they're not, you know, different generations. But you know, it's yeah, they're not known for that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, the combat is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, robot dinosaurs, how awesome is that? Um, Dude, the day I punched a snap maw, yeah, just, like- <laughs> he ran right at me, and I just decked him. 
just full on melee and just stopped him in his tracks. There's so Who's much king of the jungle now. <laughs> oh, so good. There's so much to do. Like hunting down the weaver armor was something like was actually exciting to do, and you were actually rewarded for all your hard work. It wasn't something that by the time you got to it, you were too overpowered to use. But there's just so much about the game that um, I love. Like, I love this game. It is my favorite game that I've ever played. I love that you both love this game so much. Yeah. I I really liked it. I I really did. I enjoyed it. But I'm almost more captivated. I was captivated by the, the, the cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. And I'm almost more captivated about, like, what it could be. Yeah. Like I see, so that's what I'm, I'm almost more excited for the second one than I think I ever was playing the first one. So like the first one is almost like a demonstration on, on world graphics and gameplay. And in those, in those, you know, facets, it's stellar across the board. Really, really good. The thing that I thought lacked in the first one, the thing that I wanted more was more out of the characters in the world, mm. side missions, like fill it up. You know, like by the time I got to the, by the time I got to the end of Horizon, I was ready to finish Horizon. Yeah, and then it hit me with this cliffhanger, and I was like, "Now I want to play more Horizon. <laughs> I want to play, and and I, I'm really excited to see what next gen power could do for this series because that's exactly what I expect. I'm expecting a, I don't want to, I don't want to use this in terms of like grand scale, but I'm expecting like an Odyssey level of step up. I'm expecting yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn two or Horizon New Dawn to be that fully realized open world with thousands of things to do and multiple story arcs to go and lots of different things to do. Where, um, you know, Horizon, and this is not like a really, I'm not saying bad things about Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn is like an open world game. Very linear, though. Like very linear Which is open world perfect game. perfect for me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love that about it. I, and I know, I know that that can be a slight for people who want that open world. Which is why it's like, I think that's like the big difference between me and you and Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn. Like two different experiences in a, in a and what you could argue is a similarly themed game, uh, not obviously not down to the nitty gritty, but like you right, get your open you worlds know, from Breath baselines. Of the Wild. You've got like this this native primitive world, but yeah. has technology, but it's all yeah, yeah yeah. So for me, there's one one thing left for for me with Horizon Zero Dawn. So I still haven't played Frozen Wilds because I'm afraid to play it uh, because of how <laughs> how much I love. Uh, but also I played it on a base PS4 not a PS4 Pro and I did not have a 4K TV and I have those things now Um, so on my list for 2020 is to sit down play Horizon Zero Dawn in 4K on my new 4K TV that I just got on my PS4 Pro and really just play it from start to finish expansion included and and I think that will help me <laughs> confirm my thought that it is my favorite game of all time. And I, I wow, I, because I understand that that is a strong statement, and I want to make sure I can back that up as well, uh, because that's important to me, not just to yeah. to me to tell people about it, but I also want to be strong in my conviction that this is. I agree with your point. I I, I tell I mean you guys know you're in our Discord. I replay games. Yeah. And lots of times I replay my own favorite games and I do that for that very reason. Like there's something about being like on that ride opening weekend. It's different two years later. Yep. And it's different but sometimes it's better. That's the crazy thing. Sometimes like when you have a like The Last of Us is better the third time through than I think it is the first time through. When you're not worried, like when you have full knowledge of everything, aware, like full awareness, it almost enhances the experience. 
So, uh, and I might join you if I upgrade to a PS4 Pro this year, like I'm expecting, hoping to do. Um, I definitely want to see what it looks like in 4K. I'll be right there with you. Nice. Awesome. Uh, my last game, or my number one game, if you would, probably no surprise to anyone, is God of War. Uh, and the biggest reason that... <laughs> three crossovers. <laughs> three crossovers. Yes, three crossovers. <laughs> Uh, and for me, the biggest, uh, I mean, the way to sum this up for me is it took a franchise that I had liked because I enjoyed the previous God of Wars, mm-hmm. but I never gave a darn about Kratos. I kind of was annoyed by him, actually really didn't care about him at all. And it made me care about a character I didn't think I gave two butts about. Um, two and butts. I think, <laughs> you know, family, gotta keep it family friendly. Two um, butts. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think also the single shot camera for what I thought was going to be a gimmick, if I'm honest, Mm. I thought the single shot camera was going to be this gimmick thing that they made happen. The way it puts you into that world and makes you feel part of that world, I think truly is something that changes gaming. If other games can do this, I'm immediately more interested in them because of how you feel a part of everything that is happening. Nothing immersive. Yeah. Nothing seems like, oh, we are going to cut over here to get you this perfect angle to get everything you want. There's no, no waiting for the door to open. And Correct. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just it was spectacular in storytelling, looked amazing, made me care about characters I didn't think I cared about, uh, and had some fun twists and turns along the way. You know, some nice callbacks to people who were fans of the series, and even if you weren't, is something you can still get into. And even those callback moments, if you didn't have the history were still really cool but just moments in the game in general um so i think god of war you know for reinventing a franchise similar to breath of the wild but in a different way i think they did an amazing job of, of really taking god of war to new places i'm super excited about what the future for this franchise might hold now whereas before i was pretty indifferent of yeah i'll play the new god of war when i get around to it it is something i now am eagerly anticipating what is next for that series and that character all right, so those are our top 10 lists of the decade. Uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth as far as show goes, but we do have some wonderful participation from listeners. So, Josh, if you could take us through yeah. uh, some listener top 10 games of the decade. All right, so I'll do per person. I'll do the whole list if people have comments. Chime in after I do the list, and then if they don't have comments, we'll just move on. Uh, but we did put out... Uh, to the public, the public, to our listeners, uh, what, what are your top 10 video games as well? And the first reply is from our previous week's guest, William Herkovitz, who says, The Witness, Into the Breach, PUBG, Minecraft, Civilization V, Battlefield 1, RimWorld, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, Swapperoo and threes, so it's definitely a unique list. That's what I'll say. And I gave him, I threw a little shade uh, at him for PUBG, um, but I'm not about game shaming, so I'm not gonna get too in depth on that. <laughs> okay, no comments. Moving on. Okay. Next list is from Splig at Dopalicious on the Twitters. We have. I'm gonna go one through ten. Because he actually numbered them. Number one, Last of Us. Number two, Overwatch. God of War. Tooth and Tail. Diablo 3. Hearthstone. Middle Earth. Shadow of War. Either of those he picks. Spider-Man at number nine. (laughs) Sorry, number eight. Number nine. 
He says, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3? It's not the same game annually? I want this experience and who I play with over individual game. Uh, so he just likes Call of Duty. Uh, and number 10, the Bioshock Collection. And then he says, uh, fine, infinite. But one is my favorite game of all time. Uh, honorable mentions go to Horizon Zero Dawn, Resogun, and Rocket League. Those are some great honorable mentions, especially at Resogun. Okay, cool. Resogun, I'll have to look into that one. <laughs> Heavy Metal Riff, a.k.a. Lucas Rose, a.k.a. Little Kev. Uh, my list of best games of this decade in no particular order. GTA V, XCOM Enemy Unknown, Mass Effect 2, Doom, Hollow Knight, Resident Evil 2, Mario X Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Dragon Age Origins, a game that just barely missed my list, Dead Space 2, Telltale's The Walking Dead. He also, not that anyone was asking, but included his biggest disappointment. <laughs> he put two. And you know what? I'm not going to read it. Sorry, Lucas. Nice try. I'll put it on Tea Party Simulator 2019. I'll list that one. <clears throat> I've never I've never played XCOM, and it's like the one game that most people will tell me that they think I'd enjoy. I almost bought XCOM 2 over the holidays. Try, um, I didn't because I had a lot of games to play, and two, like, I'm kind of, um, it's like daunting. Yeah. Just, like, there's a lot. There's a lot of XCOM, and I don't know, like, where to start or what to play and what the DLC is and the collection have all the things or not the things. I really don't know what to do. Try Mutant so, Year Zero on Game Pass. That's uh, XCOM-y. It has XCOM mm. vibes, and it's one game, so you can kind of get right into it. <clears throat> Same gameplay, essentially. Just no aliens, mutant animals. <clears throat> okay, Dat Ninja Dev, Devin Tyus, of course, from Discord. Here you go. He says, Dev's favorite games of the decade uh, include, but not numbered, <clears throat> Bioshock Infinite, the 2013 Tomb Raider, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, Destiny, Walking Dead Season 1, Max Payne 3, Titanfall 2, great choice, Watch Dogs 2, Rock Band 3. Great choice. Yes. Uh, and 2018's Spider-Man. Rock <clears throat> Band 3 almost made my list. Very, very close. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry for my coughing. Uh, Seth the Goat, via Discord. Decade, top 10, in no particular order. Again, we have Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, Uncharted 4, Journey, Breath of the Wild, NBA 2K12, or 11, or 16, uh, Shovel Knight, Apex Legends, Destiny or Destiny 2, and Gran Turismo Sport. And we have Paul Calico at P Calico 84. Paul says War for Cybertron. Those games were so good. Transformers, yeah. Uh, Dad of War, uh, which is the spinoff to God of War. Arkham City, Breath of the Wild. Uh, voiced by Nathan, jumps in on Discord. He says, Game of the Decade. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. I'm really glad he said that because no one else said The Witcher 3, which is probably potentially easily a game of the decade contender or a game of all sure. time contender. Sure, sure. Uh, and then PSVG Kevin at PSVG Kevin on Discord. Kevin says, Fortnite. Good job, Kev. Great list. Okay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we are clearly a gaming podcast, as you just listened to two hours of us talk about our favorite <laughs> video games of the decade. Uh, but we definitely want to leave you with something else we're into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Donnie, would you like to go first as our guest, or do you want us to go first instead? No, I'm going to be somewhat selfish here, because you're doing something for you. Josh is doing something selfish, so I'm going to do something selfish. And I'm just going to like take over this segment and do something that totally doesn't count. Do it. All right. So I want to talk about Control because I haven't been able to talk about Control with anybody since I've played and beat this game, and I love it. So here's here's how I want to like shape this. Um, both of you are a little older than me, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Have you have you watched Twin Peaks? Uh huh. Yeah. I never have <laughs> until this weekend. Oh, okay. because wait, which one did you I, watch? I have played uh, Life is Strange, where people have referenced. Twin Peaks. I play Control, just <clears throat> constantly referencing Twin Peaks. Sure. I am playing Deadly Premonition and loving it, which is basically <laughs> Twin Peaks the game, yeah. apparently. And uh, so I, I, I found an article online that told me how to watch the series. So I started with the movie. Firewalk with I me. I watched Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yeah. And then it told me to watch season one, <laughs> season two until episode nine, and then skip to the end. Yeah. So we are through season five. Or we were through episode five no, okay. of season one. <laughs> We've watched the movie in five episodes. Yeah. And like Deadly Premonition, it is the dumbest, <laughs> most fascinating thing I have ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about this stuff. Because yeah. I've noticed the reason I'm watching is because I noticed this trend. I keep seeing these references in things that I enjoy. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how to define what it is I'm enjoying. I don't know what it is. What what is it? It's the it's wacky. It's zany. I, it's, this show is nuts. There are mul- there's fifteen times per episode where my wife and I look at each other. We glance and exchange looks, and we go, "What? What? Yeah. What is this?" And I'm like watching with like an episode synopsis to tell me what the hell is happening on screen. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I don't know that there's a easy way to describe Twin Peaks. Um, I, I will say I didn't watch it until a few years ago. And then like, I remembered watching an episode of psych that was with the whole cast of Twin Peaks, but I had no clue cause I hadn't watched it previous to that. So I was like remembering other Twin Peaks references while watching the show and it's intentionally made to be a bad soap opera. That's the, that's the only logical way to describe it because because you can't really logically describe what happens in the show because everything is bonkers crazy. In fact, it could it could just as well be happening in an alternate dimension as far as I'm concerned as that's how nuts the show is and it gets crazier in season 2, especially with David Duchovny. Um and I, I haven't watched the newest series when it came back. Um, but I can't explain the the rabid fandom of the show. I can't explain that. It, the fact that it is like revered as this revolutionary TV show, when I started watching it, and I was like, there must be another Twin Peaks that I am not aware of. Because this show... <laughs> Is not what I have been told it is. Kyle. I I think the thing with Twin Peaks, and I think Twin Peaks, the reason it it did so much is there had not been anything like Twin Peaks before Twin Peaks. And that it was 
doing things completely differently and by different rules than anything had done before. Now, the unfortunate thing, I guess, about watching it now is that there are other shows that have done those things since then and maybe better because they've had the experience of the groundwork that Twin Peaks laid. But if you think about like a show like Lost, Lost does a lot of really yeah. similar things to what Twin Peaks did, but maybe in a way that's a little more digestible and a little more understandable for your average audience compared to what Twin Peaks does. Uh, and I think that's really what it was, is it was a show that was so different than what anything previously had done, and it was hitting on a lot of things that were really in at the time, but in a different way, right? Because it kind of has the intrigue of, like, an X-Files. It's really, you know, all about the Pacific Northwest, which has been really cool since the 90s. Like, it's just hitting on all the it's about serial killers, which are always a cool thing to get in on. It kind of takes all these little disparate things and kind of puts them into this one show together, and it makes for conversation. What did all that mean? What is going to happen it on next? fire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think part of it, it just is the fact, the intrigue there, the asking the questions. It really was that, okay, I don't understand what that meant. What did you think that meant? Let's have a conversation about that, which we now have seen in shows, you know, Game of Thrones was doing that forever and all these other <laughs> yeah. Westworld, you know. So I think it just did a lot of those things, quote unquote, first um, in a lot of ways. And maybe not as well as other shows have done since then. Uh, but I think it that's why it, you see it referenced so much because it kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of what we see today. It's definitely making my enjoyment of Deadly Premonition even better because <laughs> now now I, we're watching with the wife and I'm like, that guy is in the game. And in the game, he acts like X, Y, and Z, and it's hilarious. And, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I know um, I started to get on this train like with Control. I've heard it referred in other places, but in Control specifically is like a game – that has a lot of dots that leaves for you to connect. It's yes. not about connecting dots. Yeah. So if you're wanting your handhold to the end where everybody walks into the sunset, it ain't for you. And I was fascinated by Control, and I just wanted to talk to you. It's, it's my game of the year this year. Um, to be quite honest with you, nothing else comes close. I love Luigi's Mansion. It's not even the same ballpark as Control. Um, I was quite shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Um, this was one of those I sat down and I was like, oh, I'm beating this game this weekend. I'm not going to stop playing this game. And... Uh, just absolutely love it. So my question to you and what I really want to talk about, and I mean, it might be spoilers. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> is the DLC going to take us to ordinary? Are we going to get like a prequel type thing? Can we set up something like crazy different? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know that the story is as compelling if we go back before any of this. So, you know what I mean? I like... would love to see what that's like with them getting taken and like this whole like what it looks like for like entire town and everything and agents and yeah. espionage and stuff i think it'd be cool especially it was all like 50s setting and stuff. oh that'd be awesome that's what i was thinking when i quit the game i was like that's what i want the dlc to be it, i'd totally be full it'd be totally fine if i just beat up more people with jesse like all the infamous vibes that i was having this yeah, game yeah, it's yeah. like a superpower i was like oh this game is amazing but at the same time i was like i would really love to explore some of the stuff these files and everything are alluding to in an actual gameplay setting. I think that would be a lot of fun. And they like, you know, they showed us like the little town and stuff, you know, so I was thinking that maybe they already had like some assets going. Yeah. I just, you guys follow the development of this game way. I wrote this game off because of Quantum Break. I hated Quantum Break. Yeah. I really did. And I never wanted to play this game. And I only gave it a chance because of Josh, uh, because of your, your, you know, continued support. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try because, you know, Devin has been telling me all year. He's like, this is your type of game. Like you're an 11. I'm like, yeah, but 
Quantum Break, man. <laughs> yeah. It scarred me quite hard. <laughs> and uh, I'm really, really glad I did. Like I said, it was my favorite games. But I, I just wanted to hear what you guys thought the story was going to go and uh, what you guys were th- hoping for in the DLC. And uh, just to say Ashtray Maze because it's freaking awesome. <laughs> that is why video games are great, yeah. man. Like that is oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that could be cool if they go back and do that. Um, I wasn't, you know, now that you say that, like the origin of it, would be definitely interesting it would have to change like the playstyle a little bit of the game that seems like more like a prequel game than a dlc like it seems like they could make something out of that uh, on the same engine not like a true sequel sure, sure. Uh, yeah but, so i, like I don't a one know and a half could, release like a little yeah yeah Back, recoded could... <laughs> yeah I, it could be interesting because i know like the first uh dlc story dlc is called the foundation and it literally is about like the foundation of the oldest house yeah mm-hmm. so in theory i guess you could weave some of that in yeah there. so and then obviously the second one is awe which you know yeah, yeah. yeah. alan wake or alter role whichever way you want to go with it but right. the, the art's very yeah alan wakey so we'll see what happens there but i'm excited for both of them i'm really glad you like the game because we loved it. We yeah. adored it. I'm really glad that it hit a oh, good amazing. chord with you. So that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Josh, your... Yes. So this is not... I'm not trying to say Kyle's isn't important because it is also important, but they are contradictory to each other. Uh, but I don't not necessarily. They are, not necessarily. I don't think they are. They work together. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> mine came up because of a specific conversation I had with my wife, um, and, and revolving around Christmas and gifts for my son, who was only two and a half. Um, but the conversation came up, um, regardless of the, the argument, debate, whatever, where um, we our childhoods were very different. So when I grew up, Christmas Eve, Santa comes, he leaves gifts, and then your parents get you, like, a gift. And that's under the tree. On the flip side, her family, Santa gives you one gift. The rest of the gifts are from mom and dad. And that, that kind of speaks to both of our gift-giving um, ideologies. I give gifts without the expectation of getting one or even getting thank you for it. Like, I give it because I... Think someone wants something, they enjoy it, that makes me happy. I know that sounds cheesy and cliche, but I 100% feel that way when I gift. So I wanted to give our son all the gifts from Santa. Don't even put names on it, who it's to, who it's from. He just wakes up Christmas morning, all of his presents. So my well-rounded life is to do something selfless. And you can... To find that however you want, but in my mind, right now during this holiday season, it's giving a unreciprocated gift or giving a gift to someone where you're not expecting anything in return. Not you don't not even a thank you. Do it because it makes you feel good, and or ex- find out if it does make you feel good. Maybe you haven't done that before. Maybe you don't like it. That's fine, too. Like, I'm not telling you to walk around handing people money and just keep on walking by. But maybe uh, you heard someone 
in your life or a friend wanted something and you have the means to do that, do something for them. Give them that gift or whatever. Just do something selfless. Even if it's giving five bucks to a homeless guy on the side of the street or, you know, I mean, that's up to you. But do something selfless. It should make you feel good. (laughs) And if it doesn't, no worries. (laughs) So... Mine probably seemed con- contradictory to that, but it actually isn't. Because I'm not saying do something selfish. I'm saying do something for you. There you go. The holidays, I think, are some of the most stressful times for a lot of people. That there's not necessarily a lot of joy in them because everything is stressed. Got to get gifts. Got to get families coming. Got to cook food. Got to host. Got to do all these things. And we get so wrapped up in all of the stuff to make sure things are good for other people, which is important. But this is also your time hopefully that you have if you especially if you have time off from work to take some time to do what you need to for yourself to recharge your batteries a little bit as well don't forget about you not saying to ignore others not saying to do things or do things to actively be negative to other people but remember that you matter too and that if you can steal a day or steal some time or do something that is going to help you feel good and help you recharge your batteries make sure you're doing that because it's going to just make you better for everyone else as well so don't feel guilty about that I know a lot of people feel like, oh, but I have these obligations. I need to do stuff for other people. You at your best is going to be better for them as well. So don't worry about taking that time. Figure out what you can do to make sure you're good during the holiday season as well. Good advice. Awesome. All right, Donnie, thank you so much for joining us on this very long show. We super appreciate it. Where can listeners keep up with all the amazing stuff you do, sir? I mean, how else could we wrap up a decade? I mean, God, it's going to take a couple hours. It's That's a true. It's That's a lot true. of time. Um, you find me on Twitter, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, everywhere at Play Nintendo. Ain't no G's in Play Nintendo. Awesome. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to drop a little present into our empty inbox at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all the social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Stadia, Xbox Live, and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That is S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.